And I was like, I was like, you take that back. Oh God. I said, you need to take that back now and you need to go well back and watch Jackie Brown. Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. This is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSins, joined as always by the voice of CinemaSins, Jeremy Scott. Oh, what a lovely day. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, mm. what a beautiful morning. Oh, what a wonderful day. <laughs> <laughs> just, just retcon one of the most famous <laughs> songs ever. Was it, uh, what is it? What's the Helen Rickman thing in Galaxy Quest? By somebody. By Grapthar's hammer. hammer. What a savings. <laughs> <laughs> And for music video since Barrett Share. Yellow. Oh, oh. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of Alan Rickman, I watched on Sunday. Uh, I was just I was just wiped after the Saturday that we had. And I ended up watching like four or five Harry Potters in a row. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Nice. And I had that thing where it's on network TV, but I had uh like paused it just enough to where I could still fast forward through commercials and all that That's stuff. That's awesome. And so, man, I, I got in deep. Like, I got into the lore, and I was mm. like, man, this is some serious shit. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, I was thinking about the allegory for the current environment that we're in and, mm. like, you know, the people taking over and saying that there's only one race that's uh, that's 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 mightier than the others. Hey, and- how about flat out denying that the evil guy exists? Yeah. How yeah. about that? Exactly. Mm-hmm. How about that? Because it, it takes until the end of fucking... Uh, uh, Order of the Phoenix for the the minister to come yeah. and be like, oh, he's back. Yeah. He's like, Fuck you, man. And at that yeah. point, you're almost surprised he's even willing to admit it then. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Oh, Order of the Phoenix is so good. Yes, I mean, it, it holds up. Those colors, especially that last scene. It's the best. The effects are still good. Man, I yeah. like that movie a lot. Me too. That's, uh, and the, the big uh, impact of uh, Bellatrix Lestrange mm-hmm. uh, with her Avada Kedavra spell towards the end. It's just d- done so well. It's not it's it's somewhat it's somewhat making a a you know point to show it but it's still kind of random in the action and you don't know exactly what where it it just comes out of nowhere i actually didn't hear it her Mm -hmm. hear her say that until like the third or fourth viewing i just thought she hit some sort of spell and he just like you know entered into that void or whatever and then i was like holy shit she she did it harry potter is one of the few like huge book series that i've read before the movies came out and everything Mm -hmm. i read the book i I would read a book before the the new movie would come out and i knew what happened and it was impactful Mm -hmm. so god and then uh I had never watched Deathly Hallows Part 1 since I saw it in the theaters. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I sat through that in the fucking oh, theater. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so awful, man. It's literally, yeah. They literally made a four-hour movie and then mm-hmm. scissored it in the middle and left us with a boring oh, two hours. Oh, my God. Yeah. Anyway. And usually stuff with scissors are just are, are great. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um... <laughs> I don't know why I said that. <laughs> That's all right. You've been watching a lot of lesbian porn. I That's have, why you said I that. I have. I have. And uh, it slipped out, and it'll never happen again no, for, never, for another never, week. Ever, no. ever. For another week. All right. All anyway. right. So we're going to go back on our road trip, road apparently. Trip. Hey. Apparently. Uh, on the road again. The most time-honored tradition of all. The road trip. Oh, the places you'll go. Are we there yet? No. Are we there yet? No. Are we there yet? No. But uh, yeah, we're going to go on our road trip and we're going to be doing Mississippi. Yeah. Oh, Mississippi. Man, boy, oh, Mississippi. The amount of times I had to spell Mississippi mm-hmm. in this in the show notes mm-hmm. 
was very annoying. And yeah. of course, I know how to spell Mississippi because it's always M I S S I S S I P P I drilled into you in in uh, in school. Why that state? Why that state has? That? I mean, is that is it is it is it that it has so many chances for you to fuck up the spelling that they decided we got to drill this spelling into the because every you just said that and everyone's going to nod their head at least americans are <laughs> m-i-s-s-i-s-s-i-p-p yeah we all learned that but there's no like i-n-d-i-a-n-a no and massachusetts is the worst one to yeah, spell i don't have some... i just give up and just like autocorrect it. but do you have any <laughs> mnemonic chance you remember from childhood for any other state uh no there's not even one for tennessee i don't think yeah i think that's weird anyway yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh no um I've never had much of a problem spelling those states that you were talking about because I'm better than you. Yeah, that's, that's true. true. That's, that's true. true. But hey, also, <laughs> the state we randomly decided was the longest one to pronounce, thereby when counting in like flag football or tag or any other kind of like counting, like Ross <laughs> yes. and friends yep. in the tanning booth. And the guy says, count one, two, three, four. And Ross is like, Mississippi Lisley? because <laughs> we're also inherently trained to count one mississippi two mississippi three mississippi that's right uh mississippi uh obviously known for a lot of uh southern racism movies mm -hmm. <laughs> i thought you didn't have to say movies <laughs> man obviously it... known for a lot of southern racism yeah <laughs> i could have stopped there i guess <laughs> um but uh but yeah i mean i think it was one of the last states to wasn't it one of the last states to like ratify yeah the, i think uh, so like, yeah it was one of those but but so yeah there's a lot of a uh, lot of those movies set there. a lot of bad history down yeah. there. yeah but right off the bat we don't have that in our alphabetical order and everything oh, we have yeah. an elia kazan movie called baby doll yeah hmm. uh i've never seen it Oof. um it's apparently about isn't it about like two guys going after this virgin no so uh so the <laughs> well, no kind of yes <laughs> it should be no it kind of you're right okay uh, so there's this girl that lives with a uh i think a cotton gin uh or a cotton farmer okay and he keeps her around he's actually like betrothed to her she to him and like once she turns 20 then he can consummate the marriage mm -hmm. and she's like 19 does she get covenant style powers <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> yeah but he's like sitting around waiting for her to turn 20 so he can consummate this marriage but meanwhile she's like she dresses like a baby doll and like sucks her thumb and like, oh, you know, really? uh, sleeps in like a crib type of uh, thing. It's very, very, this is a Tennessee Williams play mm -hmm. that was adapted in, in 56 and Elliot Kazan actually did it. Um, and it's, I, I haven't watched it recently, but it's, it's uncomfortable. It's an uncomfortable you see my walk. face? <laughs> That's that the is baby not doll the face. face of a guy that wants to watch this movie. <laughs> yeah, Why would you even write this down if you had this idea? Like, I get a lot of ideas, and 90% of them are like, nope. Tennessee nope, Williams, that's too fucked up. Tennessee Williams was obsessed with that type of stuff, though. I guess you're right. It's, like, yeah. it's a good old Southern, like, you know, sexual tension. Mm -hmm. uh, how baby doll is she in this? Is she Natalie Portman and V for Vendetta baby doll? Or like... <laughs> she's young. I think this was... Uh, so the, she's like the, 19, though. Yeah, she's the character's 19. Carol Baker is the, the woman that played her. I think this was one of her first roles. So I think she was super young when she did it. Mm-hmm yeah so yeah it's it's a it's a weird subject and yes two two guys are vying for her affection like a rival cotton farmer mm, or whatever yeah okay uh so any good more than is it just disturbing you know i mean like i went back and watched lolita uh kubrick's mm -hmm. lolita and like yes there's a lot of disturbing stuff in there but i it enjoy watching that movie because i like how it was done i love peter sellers in there mm -hmm. 
so if I went back and watched this again, maybe it would still be a good movie, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's just a fucked up subject. Movie. Okay. Then there's Biloxi Blues. Biloxi Blues is one of the uh, post uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off movies for Matthew Broderick. Um, he had been in the play of Biloxi Blues, I believe. Oh, was he really? And uh, then they finally made the movie and everything. I don't remember much about this other than when he gets off the bus and he's like, oh my God, it's so hot out here. It's like <laughs> Africa hot. Yeah. Tarzan couldn't stand this kind of hot. And uh, Christopher Walken yeah. in there where he's like, uh, everyone here will respond by saying ho. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and then and so like they gets to Matthew Broderick and he and he's like, do you understand that? And he's like, oh yes. I mean, <laughs> I mean, oh I mean, no. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and what's funny about Walken's performance in that movie, I like this movie a lot, mm-hmm. is like he's not the stereotypical drill sergeant. Mm-hmm. He is the drill sergeant, but like he, he's he's subtle in the way that he abuses you. He's not like Arlie Ermey, like shouting at you and stuff like that. He'll just be like, good morning, private. Good morning, private. How you doing? How you doing? And then he was like, you know, you sound off with ho mm-hmm. and just ho. And then when they screw it up, he's like. Uh, I think uh, I think you should pick somebody to do some push-ups for you in 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 recompense for this. <laughs> and, uh, and Matthew Broderick doesn't say anything, so Christopher Walken leans in. And he's like, "What's that? The biggest guy in the platoon? All right, you." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> man, so I saw great. this movie once. I didn't, I don't remember it at all. Yeah, I got nothing. It's a Neil Simon play. Uh, he's a, he apparently did a trilogy. I didn't know this. It was. Uh, Brighton Beach Memoirs was the first one, and Broadway Bound was the second one. This is the second part. This came out in 88. 88, yeah. He okay. calls it the BB Trilogy. Yeah. Brighton Beach, yeah. Biloxi Blues, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. whatever the other two B were. <laughs> Broadway yeah. Bound. Broadway yeah. Bound. Yeah, it's yeah. definitely the BB Trilogy, right? BB, it's gotta yeah. be. This is, this is a good movie, though. This yeah, is worth checking out I haven't sure. seen it in forever, but uh, yeah, oh, yeah, I, I remember being funny. Yeah, I wasn't trying to be dismissive. No. I just don't remember. I can't add to this conversation. Matthew it's, Broderick's in it. Yeah, it's one of those that's <laughs> kind of got lost to time, though. Yeah. You, you know, it's not one of those that is revived a lot. I do remember the trailers running like crazy Mm -hmm. on network television. Uh, Then there's Big Bad Love. I've never seen this. So this is based on a Larry Brown collection of short stories. Now, Larry Brown was a retired firefighter um, that did a book called Dirty Work and got famous for being a writer. He wrote Joe. He wrote... um, um, You mean the Matthew McConaughey Joe? Yes. Okay. Yeah, which takes place in Texas, but great writer. Really, like, visceral writer. And so when I heard that they were turning Big Bad Love into a movie, I was like, yeah, man. Uh, it sucks ass. Oh, really? <laughs> it is awful. The book in the the collection of short stories is fantastic, but the movie sucks ass. I'm sorry. I think that was Nicolas Cage that was in Joe, not Matt. Oh, yeah, Guy. that's right. I was thinking of Killer Joe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it sucks ass. That's mm-hmm. that's uh, yeah, Big Bad Love, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's got to be good. It's got to be good. It's also the name of the uh, forthcoming Shack sex tape. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> Um, then there's another Tennessee Williams adaptation called Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. What's with all the plays in Mississippi? Mm, it's yeah. like three in a row. I don't know. Play, play, play. Yeah, a lot of plays. <laughs> I'm just saying. You're right. Uh, I don't think there's very many more after this, actually. So oh, that's it's good. just one of those where it's, <laughs> I fucking hate it's, plays. It's, it's grouped in. Yeah. <laughs> have you you've seen Cat on a Hot Tin Roof? I have. Right? I saw this on the big screen. Ooh, um, really? Yeah. I think when I went to visit Mike when he was in Louisville, 
there's a classic theater out there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Palace Theater. Yeah, we went mm-hmm. to that and saw Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. Nice. And uh, very good, very good movie. This is Elizabeth Taylor at mm-hmm. her just, uh, she's so gorgeous. At her hottest. She's Would you so say gorgeous. her va Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, she's married to Paul Newman. And Paul, and this is a, sort of a subtle and never once mention it, but it's a homosexual character. Mm-hmm um because she wants him mm-hmm. and he's like nope yep and this is liz taylor this is pre-cleopatra <laughs> liz taylor <laughs> yeah. like you don't turn down liz taylor when yep. you get or when you have the chance uh this isn't flintstones liz taylor <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to fuck flintstones liz taylor <laughs> uh <laughs> Uh, maybe Uh, um (laughs) um, but no this is really really good it's amazing uh, burl ives is the the big guy he may actually steal the movie Mm -hmm. in certain spots in certain spots uh he's just so like matter of fact about everything he like there's these annoying fucking kids running around and everything and he's just always like he's like go back to your room you stupid monkeys or some crap like that you know (laughs) he's like shows shows no like he doesn't sugar anything down at all uh but uh yeah such a good movie what's interesting about this is that the play is a lot more overt about uh the character's homosexuality Mm -hmm. like he had a, a friend in in school where he was like the star athlete uh who he loved and they they couldn't consummate it basically uh so the the friend killed himself and mm-hmm. like that's when he went into this like downward despair and everything and i think newman wanted to play it like that mm-hmm. um and tennessee williams was got really pissed off about the way that it's portrayed um in in this movie in the 1958 version but it's so this is a this is a good discussion to have because um it's one of those weird things movies back then when they had the Hayes code stuff going on couldn't go over the line with stuff like mm-hmm. this and it would have been probably death for this movie to mm-hmm. actually do it if they were allowed to do it back in 1958 but i feel like uh the way they skirted the Hayes code is almost sometimes better than just going over the line yeah sure sort of it gives you that um you know you can interpret things you know you can you can read into things they always did that with those to way to to circumvent that code mm-hmm. they would do that type of thing where it was just like you know there was just like hints yeah all along and and he, then, yeah it's it's obvious watching in 2018 eyes or whatever watching this movie mm-hmm. that that's that's the the context of it but yeah they had to to skirt it so much that it, there's no overt reference to it yeah and it's and it's i don't know it might be a better movie for it well okay so they made a new one uh, or a a remake of it Mm -hmm. i think it was 1984 Mm -hmm. they had tommy lee jones as the main character Uh, and jessica lang as maggie uh, the cat yeah you went from paul newman tommy lee jones is a great actor but god (laughs) doesn't the role kind of require like a hottie yeah well i mean 84 tommy lee yeah no maybe. <laughs> don't even try to make that argument tommy lee jones has always been a butterface i'm sorry mm, that's probably true although jessica lang though now jessica lang but apparently they were they were more overt about oh, yeah. the the actual context of it i haven't seen it i think it may have been made for tv 
Um, I don't really want to see it. Those are always awesome. Now, mm-hmm. of course, I don't want to be misinterpreted here and someone saying, well, it's just better to just go ahead and suppress the homosexual stuff that's going on, blah, blah, blah. That's not what I'm saying. Yes. I'm just saying that I think that if they had gone over the line with it, it would have not as been a, a good and subtle movie or whatever. So, Right. Um, yeah, Tommy Lee just going to let it. Yeah. <laughs> Rip Torn is in. This. Of course he is. Well, of course now I'm is. watching it. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like you've given your password to the entire Pacific Rim. Um, <laughs> um, then there's Cookie's Fortune. I know this is a Robert Altman movie. Glenn Close is in this, I think. And then I think is it Liv Tyler? Maybe. Yeah. 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 Um, I never saw this though. What a weird time for this to come out. It completely went past. This is 1999. Of course stacked year Mm -hmm. robert altman like this is in my prime movie watching experience and i totally would have watched this if i had known the context well and i chris and i were both working at hollywood at this time building and watching most of the movies that came out i don't remember this at all like i barely remember remember seeing the poster that was it i never saw the movie you never even hear it mentioned in altman's like filmography no do you think that means maybe it's terrible i don't know i don't know 6.9 on the imdb um i i don't I remember when it came out, it was not getting good reviews, hmm. though. Hmm. So I don't think it was anything that everybody's like, you got to go see this. Julianne Moore's in it, too. Yeah, Chris O'Donnell. It's got a really good cast. Yeah. Uh, Courtney B. Vance, Ned Beatty. Altman's um, always had pretty good casts. Mm-hmm. It's just whether or not they're good at improving. Yeah. The more he got into improving, which yeah. I think his style sort of demands at some times. Right? Because there's some of that shit in the background that's not in the script. Mm-hmm. Anyway, no idea with this, though. Who knows? It could have been a straightforward uh, movie for all we know. Yeah. We, <laughs> yeah. For all I know, it's animated. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. 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 awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it could have, could have been a tool video. It was when Robert Alton was going through his stop motion phase. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, then uh, Django Unchained. Mm-hmm. Django. Right. So I, I like I, I like this movie, mm-hmm. but man, when it came out, uh, a lot of the younger generation considered this the best Tarantino movie ever. Yeah, and I never really understood that. Now I I agree. I like this movie up until that strange final act. Oh yeah, uh, where like it seems like everything's tied up. They they it's not a spoiler. They kill Candy. Uh, Christoph Waltz is dead. Like he he gets his revenge. Everything's good to go. And then he gets captured. And like there's this weird tacked on like extra twenty five minutes or so yeah. that I think kind of ruins the movie for me yeah it does drag well, quite isn't a that bit the section where tarantino himself is in it too? yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm, yeah i wonder yeah <clears throat> it is that uh and they go through this whole thing where they're gonna they're taking him to some other state mm-hmm. and they're gonna sell him and all this other type of stuff and then he turns the tables on him and he uh, gets revenge again which, yeah yeah i understand like you want like the most revengiest revenge ever. <laughs> well, and what he he I I haven't seen it in forever, but I think he says something like I'm I have a huge bounty on my head or whatever and that you can you can turn me in for yeah, a yeah. certain amount and all that and then I I do like the I do like the end end. Now if they could have mm-hmm. just gotten to that faster it would have been a, a different thing, but but yeah, I remember somebody at the theater 
who was like, oh man, Django Unchained is my favorite Tarantino movie. It's way better than that Jackie Brown shit for sure. And I was like, I was like, you take that back. Oh God. I said, you need to take that back now and you need to go back and watch Jackie Brown and you're going to take that shit back when you watch it. Um, uh, it might, is it's either this or Inglorious Bastards is his all time box office champ. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Like, while he may be known more for Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs and stuff like that, uh, Inglorious Bastards and this one are his top two all-time box office movies. You know, here's hoping that he can get back to his Jackie Brown Pulp Fiction form for this 70s Manson movie he's making. Yeah, Yeah. no kidding. Yeah, it's Django Unchained with 162 and then Inglorious Bastards. I think part of the draw for Django... In general, and with the generation behind us, was Leo. This was the kind of the first marriage of Leonardo DiCaprio mm-hmm. and Tarantino. Yeah, and I think a lot of people wanted to see that. And I think a lot of people were really happy mm-hmm. with the end result, and there is a certain satisfaction in seeing Leo just sully his image completely. Mm-hmm. Right, like a bad guy. Huh? Yeah, yeah playing a bad guy, guy who yeah, says yeah. the n word a thousand and sixty-two times, yeah. uh, who has no redeemable qualities other than a, a captivating way of speaking yeah right? um and you know i i think there is something enjoyable about seeing an actor with it'll be like seeing tom hanks do a role like this mm-hmm. which we're probably never going to get at this point um and he's great I, I again like a lot of tarantino the excesses in this movie get to me and, yeah. the, and the way he talks and the uses of the n-word uh, the hanging scene, uh, all the violence and bl- it's all 10 to 15 percent more than it really needs to be. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't enjoy it as much as Tarantino does for whatever reason. Either either um, either Tarantino is just that good at, at creating characters or the actors who come to it could be both the actors who come to play decide that they're going to do better. But actors in these movies are always better than they are in everything else that they're in yeah samuel l jackson oh, will sit here and play 25 movies in a row playing samuel l jackson and yelling and all this other type of stuff here he plays a character so complex yeah yep. uh and just evil yep. and everything that uh you're like why can't i see this from you all the time now i know if you're samuel l jackson and they're giving you gobs of money to do whatever I would do that too. Sure. Uh, I am not blaming him for doing that. <laughs> no. uh, I'm just saying I'd like to see more of him do that because he's capable of it. Unless jumper. Yeah, unless jumper. <laughs> right. Hey, what would this movie have been like with Will Smith in it? Whew, man, mm, if you if he committed, because mm-hmm. I. It's not like Jamie Foxx is bad in this movie. No, he's, he's very, Jamie very good. Foxx is fine. I just I'd never think Jamie Foxx is like wow, what a great fucking actor. Mm-hmm. he's mm-hmm. just solid i don't think that's a a, a, a diss i just mm-hmm. don't ever watch a movie he's in and come away with one of my chief thoughts being he was a great actor in that even ray yeah where the whole movie is look how good of an actor he is my first thought was well he really sounded like him yep. when he sang mm-hmm. and when he talked and if that if the impression is good acting thought i didn't like that movie at all right but, uh, you know, Collateral, I mean, any other movies that he's good in, he's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there are people better, like Samuel Jackson is way better in this than Jamie Foxx. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. And my thought is that he would have been awesome in this. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, I, I I think everybody just sort of brings it for Tarantino. And Will Smith would have in this. 
I think like Jamie Foxx, I don't, yeah, I think I see what you're saying. He's not any better in this than he is in any other movie. Right. And that's the difference between, I think if you put Will Smith in this, he would have been an elevated Will Smith. Yeah, I think so too. And because he's got that kind of a work ethic and everything. And um, not to say Jamie Foxx doesn't work hard. It's just that I feel like Jamie Foxx is always playing Jamie Foxx. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, but yeah, I would have loved to have seen it. And it's too bad that Will Smith is so image conscious Mm -hmm. that uh, he felt like this would have just ruined him for some reason or his advisors thought it would ruin him for other future projects or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. And it, I, you know, I also can't blame him for that. That's his decision. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's ghosts of Mississippi. Rob Reiner directed this. Yeah. yeah. Oh God, Rob. Um, <laughs> this was sort of the beginning of his, uh, bad streak. He didn't start, he started not coming out with good movies around this time. I just remember James Woods is in this movie yeah. mm-hmm. playing a super racist guy. Right. <laughs> Shocking, isn't it? Yeah. And, and, that's all I have to say about <laughs> yeah that. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is uh, Alec Baldwin, right? Mm-hmm. Alec Baldwin, uh, Whoopi Goldberg. Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah, this is the Medgar Evers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the Medgar Evers trial. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the the murder trial. Right. But, so he was murdered, and then his accusers uh, had like a mistrial on like two different occasions, and then it's Alec Baldwin's attempt to to do a third trial and actually do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's it's not a bad movie, but it's it's not a very good movie I don't yeah think. I, th- this was the first time uh and i never saw i never saw this movie but this was the first time i had started hearing and th- and i'm sure that this kind of discussion had, had occurred for a long time before this but this was the first time i had ever heard something like why are we getting rob reiner to direct this story yeah why aren't we getting spike lee to do this or somebody who might be a little bit more familiar with the subject or whatever um rob reiner of course is you know an ultra liberal guy Mm -hmm. so it obviously means a lot to him to do this story but this was the first time i had i had heard that kind of rumbling yeah i'm like maybe you know, maybe we shouldn't let white ass Rob Reiner direct this. <laughs> he does have a white ass. He does. A wide white ass. Yeah. yeah. Um. Then there's the help. Another another racism. You don't movie. like this movie, right? Oh no, the movie's fine. I uh, there's that poop pie eating scene. Yeah. That I think is entirely unneeded. At least the way it's presented. You want to give that character. A chance to serve comeuppance on the racist white lady. I am all for it. You want it to be a poop pie. I'm all for it. Don't need to see it being eaten. Yep. Don't need to see all the stuff I see in that scene. My wife loves this movie. If this movie's on, the entire universe disappears for my wife. <laughs> we could have plans to go to the fucking symphony. And if this movie was on, she's like, well, just wait. There's only two and a half more hours. Because when they play The Help, it's like a four-hour broadcast. Oh, it's yeah. It's not a short movie, but they always pack in commercials Anyway, I think it's great. Um, Emma Stone's great in it. Uh, There's too many characters in this movie. There are, and and it jumps around just enough that I never really know who's who. Because mm-hmm. uh, like Jessica Chastain is in this, and Bryce Dallas Howard is in this, and I'm yeah. always asking my wife, now one of those is nice and one of them is racist. <laughs> yeah. Which it's one a is bunch which? Of red-haired white lady. It's, yeah. it's, it's definitely uh, Bryce Dallas Howard is the bad one. You're right. You're, yeah, she's the one that gets to eat the shit pie. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, it's a solid movie. Maybe not quite as 
great as the hoopla surrounding it when it came out, but solid. I, mm. I think it's probably a good B plus, A minus. Yeah, everybody gives a good performance. Introduce most people. I, I think most mainstream moviegoers to Viola Davis yep. and Octavia Spencer, even though they had been around forever. Yep. Um, but this was this was their first big showcase type movie, and they've been in a ton of stuff since. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, I don't know what to think about this movie. Uh, it's a lot of times I wonder if I feel like it's white guilt bringing people in a lot of times and and uh, and elevating the you know I've got to go see this because you know yeah that's that was bad and I feel there's bad. probably a certain amount of that I mean but also even the book was written by a white girl yeah yeah who grew up was, looking at all this around her right. and clearly felt guilty mm-hmm. I mean I, I I there has to be there's not online. But in, in communities, uh, on podcasts, with friends, there has to be a space to be able to discuss this, mm. whether or not, right, we can't just, just start ignoring all touchy conversations, right? So there's there definitely is some white guilt involved here in, the, in terms of why this was so successful and praised, yeah. in that there were plenty of people who felt a responsibility to support a work that showed how bad it was for them because of us like 30 years ago, 40 mm-hmm. years ago. Um, but you know, like that, I don't think that can be all of it. Either. No, it's not. It's a. I think it's a. I think it's a good movie. I think there's just. I just think there's a lot of times a movie like this comes out and it's just like, well, I. I guess I better go see that. Yeah. You know? And yeah. this is well. I mean, something like Twelve Years a Slave. I don't think was a huge box office draw. Yeah. But I'm sure there was a little bit of that too. I think the fact that this is a better movie. Over, I don't know. Twelve Years a Slave is a, is a mm. perfectly fine movie too, but it's a more palatable movie, I guess. Well, yeah. yeah. And you know, maybe what we're talking about isn't even white guilt. Maybe it's American guilt, mm-hmm. right? Well, yeah. sure. I There's a lot of see, guilt. I went to see Twelve Years a Slave because I felt an obligation. I sure. felt like it was an important movie. It had gotten good reviews, but I felt like it was important for me to see, not as a white guy. But as an American, we sure. did this as mm-hmm. a country. And, they, you know, the help is a little bit more of a, I guess it's, even though it's got the awful stuff in it, it's more sugar-coated, mm-hmm. right? I mean, there's, <laughs> no there's pun intended. This, uh, the stuff is, the stuff is actually worse than what we're seeing. This is more palatable to a Certainly. mainstream audience than 12 Years a Slave is. Yeah, I mean, um, most of what you see in the help is just, uh, just being really rude. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, that's <laughs> true. But yeah. I, I, it's not like. I'm sure there was like physical violence. I'm sure there was emotional abuse and verbal abuse. And it is a much more PG, PG 13 look into what that was probably like. Mm-hmm. Three white people talking about this. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, and it doesn't get better. In the Heat of the Night comes <laughs> in after that. God, what a fucking great movie. This is a fantastic movie. Oh, my God. Um, I caught this not too long ago um on one of the the cable channels and i caught it right at the moment where um uh, uh rod steiger and sydney poitier are in the the bot they're in the, like the greenhouse of the mm-hmm. guy and the super racist guy they're all super racist right. but the, so one of the super racist guys and he comes out and you know sydney poitier's a detective from philadelphia or something like that and he he asks him a question and the fact that he asks him a question is so offensive to this this racist mm-hmm. dude that he smacks this motherfucker in the face yeah and not a half a second goes by that Sidney Poitier smacks that motherfucker around yeah. Yeah. and it's so fucking great yeah. man yeah oh my god and then he just stares at him and I he's just, like what are you gonna do yeah I don't know if there's anything this is why this line is is up there I think in the AFI all-time lines but there's nothing more powerful than when 
you know, it's like, what do they call you up in Philadelphia up there? What do they call you up there? Blah, blah, blah. And he's like, they call me Mr. Tibbs. <laughs> and, so good. and it's like, there's no, that basically saying there's, they know me as a person and right. not just some black cop, yep. you know? Um, and yeah, they, it, Rod Steiger's character changes a lot during yeah. this whole thing because he's, he's not happy about it, but he's letting it go on or whatever. But, He's, he's not willing to take his ideas at all at, at first. And then finally he comes around to what's making, what makes sense in this case and everything. And, uh, this is just a dynamite movie. I don't think we talk about it enough. It's about 50 years old now. Yeah. Um, this is Norman Jewison. Yeah. Norman Jewison. Led to a pretty acclaimed television show that yeah, had a yeah, nice true. run. Carol O'Connor played the yep. Rod Steiger character. Yeah. That. Um, and uh he went from playing one racist character on one show to playing another one yes he did yes yes he did jeremy uh but yeah i would highly recommend this this i actually saw this recently too like towards the end as well you forget how good it is yeah because besides the racism and everything it's a good mystery too yeah it really is because there's a lot of different layers to it that he has to sydney poitier has to like uncover the the layers to this mystery that's very very complex and involves like a pregnant teen and like all kinds of crazy shit but he has to do that in the context of like everybody out to get him literally and so he's got to just kind of fend that off and i don't i don't know of very many people uh actors that could carry this performance so beautifully because he's so fucking commanding uh just his presence Mm. you know and his dialect and the way that he stays if I met that guy, he would probably stare into my soul, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And he just, that's how he's able to to keep focus on this case and actually end up, you know, solving it. Yeah. So good. I think uh, this this and Guess Who's Coming to Dinner came out the same year, mm-hmm. and Poitier did not get nominated for either. We've no, we've talked about that before, right. but it's, it's, it's staggering when you watch both of those movies, how he didn't get nominated for one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and how all the nominations he should have got um, went to Shakespeare in Love. That's true. <laughs> that's very true. A lot of people don't realize that that it went that Shakespeare in Love robbed Sidney Poitier so many times. Um, now here's the movie, uh, and this is just one of my all timers, The Insider. Yeah, uh, I I do think of this maybe more as a Kentucky movie than Mississippi. Right. Um, I don't know if we talked about this movie when Kentucky came up. That's interesting. Um, I think of it more as like a New York movie because of all the 60-minute shit. Well, yeah, it is kind of back and forth between those two because because uh, Lowell Bergman, who's Al Pacino's character, is 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 in New York. Meanwhile, you have Wygand in, in Kentucky where the uh, but Wygand end up, Brown and Williamson stuff. Right, right, right. But he ends up like holding up in Mississippi to do the interview, right? Yes, I think so yeah. because he can't. He, he because he's a whistleblower and because he has a, uh, a non-disclosure agreement um he can't say it in kentucky right without without violating it but of course the the legal wrangling with all this type of thing is is once he says it in mississippi he can't set foot back into kentucky yeah uh the insider is an just an absolutely fantastic slam dunk of a movie you know it's and it and and not enough people say that or think that or even have seen this movie because it's maybe one of the best boring sounding movies <laughs> i've <laughs> yeah, ever seen true. yeah it's because true. if you told me it's a nearly three hour movie about a producer at cnn or 60 minutes trying to convince a guy to talk mm-hmm. and then trying to get that story to air 
I would be snoring before you finish that description. Yeah. And even if you told me Al Pacino and Michael Mann, I might think about Heat, but uh, it's probably not enough. But man, this movie's fantastic. Everyone, yeah. everyone kills it. Yeah. Russell Crowe is maybe never been better than he is in this mm -hmm. movie. Yeah. Um, and he's pretty great in a couple of other, like Beautiful Mind, he's pretty fantastic. Mm -hmm. Al Pacino's awesome. I love the idea, and I don't know how romanticized this is. There's a little bit of this in Shattered Glass with the editor, uh, Hank Azaria. I love the idea of a romanticized newsman who will go to bat for his writer or his source or the truth. Mm -hmm. um, and <clears throat> whether or not the character Pacino's playing was this passionate about it, whether or not Mike Wallace was in, as involved as he is in the movie. Christopher Plummer. Christopher Plummer taking yeah. over for Kevin Spacey. <laughs> taking over for Kevin Spacey, for sure. um, Even back in 99. <laughs> you know, I don't really know. Uh, um, you know, this is definitely based on a true story. There yep. definitely was pressure to... Mm -hmm either kill the story or alter the story they ultimately end up running an altered shortened version yeah right? yeah, yeah so so yeah so many things happen and it's the movies really does a really good job of telling you exactly why they're doing what they're doing in the first interview he pretty much tells you brown and williamson puts this drug in cigarettes that makes you want to smoke more mm -hmm. and uh and so then uh so when the shortened version is like they've blacked out his face and uh and they've changed his voice and everything and and uh and yeah all those little key things that are that are important to that story mm -hmm. are essentially cut out um there is uh yeah there's a, a what a mess cbs is about to get bought by another cigarette company and the cigarette company is like you don't want to you're not going to run that mm. so he's got you got all these cbs corporate coming in to talk to 60 minutes with gina gershon and, oh yeah, yeah. and yeah. Stephen tobolowski and all these guys are like you know there's a point because gina gershon keeps calling mike wallace mike it was like very formal and a very uh you know like mike mike and there's a point where where mike wallace gets pissed off and he's like mike Mike, how about Mr. Wallace? <laughs> you know, um, yeah, and I, I've 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 talked about that that scene with Bruce McGill when he's when they've when they do get him to testify in one in that one court and uh, and uh, the the lawyers for Brown and Williamson keep trying to uh, interrupt and everything. He's like, it's like Mr. Wygant, you have been instructed not to answer that question and uh are you know are we have rights here and, and bruce mckill's like oh yeah you got rights you got lefts that ups and downs the middle <laughs> so what <laughs> and then he's like and it's like wipe that smoke off your face and uh all that bruce mcgill just oh such a good scene everybody in this is so good yeah. i can't i really can't uh recommend the insider enough yeah there's two movies right there in a row. Watch In the Heat of the Night. Watch The Insider. Be changed for us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Russell Crowe had a great run there for a while. He had The Insider, and then he had Gladiator, and then he had Beautiful Mind. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's kind of... Once once he threw the phone, much like Tom Cruise jumping on the couch, <laughs> yeah. there was, a, there was a, a, you know, public sort of... I don't really like that guy. I yeah, think yeah. it was once he sang in Les Mis. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. For sure. It seemed like he had like a, a, a rough reputation a little bit before that. Well, but I yeah, mean, he, he was he was pretty much, I think, a shoe-in to win Best Actor in Beautiful Mind. Mm -hmm. and, then, and then, yeah, throwing the phone. Yeah. That sort of. Remind <laughs> me what happened there. He threw a phone at somebody. It was at a hotel, and I think it was at a concierge or something like that. Nice. 
yeah, I guess the concierge pissed him off or whatever, and he threw a phone at him nice. or whatever. And I'm pretty sure he was just he was destined to win it, but he didn't. Um, it was Denzel Washington won for Training Day that year. Wow, his mm. old his old uh, virtuosity co-star <laughs> yeah. sniped his Oscar. Just went in there and <laughs> snuck it from him. Hey. <laughs> I saw, I love virtuosity. Uh, I saw uh, an article that talked about, I guess Denzel's out promoting Equalizer 2 and had said that uh, in this interview that he was up for seven for the Brad Pitt role and thought the script was too demonic. And then when the movie came out, he was like, ah, I blew it. <laughs> and I, and I, I was the whole way driving here. I was thinking about what that would have looked like because I think it changes the character's age enough that it would alter the dynamic completely because he can't play the same age Brad Pitt was playing in that movie, even oh, no. back in 95 when it mm. 95 when the mm. seven came out. So Denzel 95 looked probably 10 years older than what Brad Pitt looked like. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I don't I think I remember reading at one point the races of the characters weren't set in stone mm -hmm. or that the, the Morgan Freeman character was a white guy. But that when they cast Morgan Freeman. Hmm. Who cares about that? Something well, like that. And that all that movie also famously had terrible um like uh when when it was shown for audiences before the final cut and everything oh it had terrible scores Interesting. um and i don't know because i've always heard horror stories about those type of things where they say we're gonna we're gonna put you in here and you're gonna watch this brad pitt movie or whatever <laughs> and it's like you know 70 year old ladies and <laughs> Stuff like that, watching You're seven, <laughs> oh, you know, and then they come out and they're like, "Well, that was awful." Of course they did. <laughs> I tweeted something about this, and I know we're going off the rails. I apologize, but don't you think it's possible that we're headed towards a place where what we're seeing with Movie Pass and its competitors, where the studios begin to try and target the super fans by involving them in those screenings oh, yeah. and bringing inviting them sure. to the set or what you you subscribe to this x super fan service and it gives you these perks um i think we're i think feel like that's inevitable that's going to fundamentally change how they're constructed then if they're getting feedback based on their fans versus yeah, like what, an actual i can you know, see that definitely happening yeah because like, there's so many people out there who buy in on a brand name, like like Cloverfield, mm -hmm. if you if you if the studio announced a Cloverfield fan club, and you pay X dollars a year, and for that you get to see the next Cloverfield movie before anyone else, if that was the only perk, they could fund the next movie with that sure. fan yeah. club. Yeah, yeah. I'm oh, just yeah. saying, mm -hmm. Hollywood, we're not dumb, we're smart. <laughs> Give us a listen. Um, I'm smart. Dumb <laughs> <laughs> like everybody says. <laughs> Um, before we before we go off to the next movie, one thing that I wanted to, another thing I wanted to say about the insider is that it is a very long movie, but it Im immediately grips you mm -hmm. because it starts off with this just this shot of a blanket over the camera essentially, and it's like uh, it's this music, this real driving music, and it and it and it frames that story with first a, a Mike Wallace interview with I think it's the Ayatollah Khomeini or somebody mm. like that I can't remember if that's who it was, but it frames it with that, and then the Brown and Williamson stuff happens at the end of it. They're looking for the Unabomber, but um, but like it goes right off into that thing, and it's like this drums. And and it's, it's all the credits and everything and you're like whoa this is already going this yeah, movie yeah. is really just and it never lets up the, the thing about heat is that you can find real slow moments in heat mm -hmm. oh, yeah. and it and it does feel like it's three hours the insider does not feel yeah. like that yeah. for um, a movie that's basically all talk 
Yeah. It does fly by. Yeah, yeah it does. Uh, then there's the Lady Killers. Is this the remake? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, the remake because I think the original was set. Oh, in, it was a Great Britain. Yeah, because anyway, yeah, yeah. Alec Guinness is in it and mm-hmm. everything. I've been seeing. I've actually seen a couple of other uh, older Alec Guinness movies lately. Hmm. Uh, uh, movie uh, stuff. Oh, yeah. um, there was one called The Man in the White Suit, and another one that I saw called the uh, The Lavender Gang, Lavender Hill Gang. Hmm. And uh, just watching Alec Guinness back in those days, everything's just fun. Man. Yeah, <laughs> he 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 hasn't like in the I think in the Man in the White Suit he hadn't quite gotten his Alec Guinness voice yet. <laughs> but in in uh, in a Lavender Hill Gang, you can start hearing like oh uh, like uh, who's the fool, the fool, or the the you know that type of thing. <laughs> Anytime he says words that are Star Wars related, you start thinking of that. But anyway. <laughs> Uh, the Lady Killers with Tom Hanks. This is a Coen Brothers movie. Mm-hmm. And I'm on record saying I like the Lady Killers. I like Tom Hanks' performance in this. I like all the other characters, J.K. Simmons and Marlon Wayans. And uh, I, 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 I like the story of it, you know, uh, and I like... I like how every time one of them is killed, they all end up <laughs> falling on that boat yeah. and uh, and everything. And uh, there are there are some nice Cohen touches in the Lady Killers. Uh, whereas in Intolerable Cruelty, it just seems like a straightforward. There's a couple. Yeah, yeah it seems like a rom com. A couple or of Cohen Brothers stuff in there, but but uh, yeah, Lady Killers didn't. You know, nobody really responded to that, mm. and I don't know if it's just that it's just bad, or people didn't want to see Tom Hanks this way, or because this is a this is a different Tom Hanks performance. Oh, totally. He's, he's a not con playing man, right? himself in this. Well, yeah. and he's dirty. Yeah, like grimy, dirty, and yeah. he, it's just he's the same thing in Cloud Atlas, and people didn't respond to that. <laughs> I don't think the public wants to see dirty, grimy Tom they Hanks. They probably don't, except for Castaway. Right. Shit. But even then, he's Tom Hanks. He's, yeah. Yeah. he's got like highlights in his hair yeah so. he doesn't look yeah. like he's got cooties but right. in lady killers he does <laughs> yeah yeah like you'd be worried he'd be wiping down shit with antiseptic wipes <laughs> but he's saying he's like he's he's taught like all the words he uses in this are just way more than he needs oh it's awesome and it's so funny <laughs> um and, and he's just and he talks pretty fast too so like there's not much you can say back to him and everything uh but uh they they yeah it's about a, a bunch of uh robbers who uh hole up in this one woman's this old lady's uh house mm-hmm. to plot their their robbery or whatever and uh isn't it right next to the place is that how they get it or i is think it... so they're gonna tunnel from her basement yeah to the place they're trying to rob mm. i think yeah um, they end up getting the money don't they well yes mm. the old lady gets it and donates yeah the it old to lady the yeah, yeah, right. That's right yeah because i think <laughs> this is a spoiler i think every one of them died yeah yeah, 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 yeah. and she gets the, she donates that's like the last thing is her donating <laughs> yeah. the money to the church or yeah. whatever yeah it's irma p hall ah. <laughs> irma p hall irma p. she's doing a great job in this this is she actually maybe outside of hank steals the movie irma, yeah irma p hall good in this uh then there's life uh eddie murphy martin lawrence movie uh, i didn't like this oh really yeah i think this movie got it got a little bit overshadowed and i think it got weirdly marketed because these are two of the funniest people in the world at the time in 1999 and it's not all comedy it's not all comedy here's Um, the problem with the movie as i remember it again i built it at hollywood i watched it one time mm. That movie sold like gangbusters, by the uh, way. I'm sure it did. Um, is it, it, it plays in the middle too much. between the, It wants to have super serious, almost Shawshank-like moments, right. but it wants to have Nutty Professor moments, <laughs> and and it doesn't work that way. And this was the first movie I remember thinking, hmm, Sheen is wearing off. From Eddie Murphy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
and uh i believe ted demi directed this too wouldn't surprise me i mean if you see a movie called life on the tv guide nowadays it's probably that ryan reynolds jake gyllenhaal <laughs> yeah and that's not great well, but it's way watchable isn't isn't the isn't that just uh another way of saying stop calling your fucking movie life yeah or i mean <laughs> like who's gonna watch that shit i mean just stop don't, yeah. don't even don't even get past the 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 board meeting with with your movie being called life <laughs> um there is one thing i remember from life being funny though and i remember laughing for a really good long time and i won't do it any justice but there's a scene in the middle where uh eddie murphy uh swears up and down that this guy stole his watch or whatever and they he and martin lawrence like kill that guy yeah they kill him yeah. and uh and so he gets his watch back or whatever so then there's outtakes at the end of the movie uh and there's a like all these little outtakes blah 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 the very last one is eddie murphy looking at the watch going wait a minute this isn't my watch awesome. I, I remember watching the whole movie going eh, it's okay it's all right and then the outtakes happen and, and I, I i came out i was still working at my old theater when this came out i remember coming out just i was like just doubled over like that's a perfect way to end that i forgot there were outtakes to that but yeah you're right yeah it it straddles the line of dramedy probably a little bit too much yeah um i i think i enjoy i like the story itself um but yeah it's it's totally weird and yeah. it was ted demi by the way yeah. nice good good call um you just pulled ted demi out of your ass i sure did how'd he get up there <laughs> i don't know he's always found a way <laughs> um then there is mississippi burning this is gene hackman willem dafoe yeah uh some serious racism going on in this movie there is and this one got a lot of uh i see all these mississippi things like mississippi Why murder they put the state mississippi, name in their title That's um, so weird i don't know if it's based on an actual true story but it's about the fbi going in and busting up the kkk and uh trying to figure out like you know where these murders are happening and stuff like that and what it got um flag for was the white savior syndrome right yeah uh, gene hagman and willem dafoe we're going to come in here we're going to play by our own rules and we're going to make this happen yeah. meanwhile like all the courageous African American people are like, what the fuck? Man? Well, it's <laughs> it's a it's one of those it's one of those movies too. Where the I guess the I guess the town that they're in, they are run by these racists. Mm -hmm. Like they 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 own the town essentially. So trying to get actual information from anybody in this town is nearly impossible. Right. Oh, and, Frances McDormand's in this. Oh yeah, because she actually gives them like a tip of like what what's happening, and she goes back home. I think her her. Her husband is the sheriff or the mayor or something like that, and he beats the fuck out of her. Mm, uh, this is apparently uh, inspired by the murder of the Ku Klux Klan of voting rights activists James Cheney, Michael Schwerner, and Andrew Goodman. I don't know if mm. that's what the movie itself is about, but it is ba it's it's inspired by or whatever by that. Uh, then there's uh, Mississippi Mazala, which I only remember. But <laughs> Mississippi's in all of these titles. Yeah, there's, yeah, yeah. There's no, two there's a movies. <laughs> Well, well, there's that, but there's a there's a lot sure, of them. Sure, there's the a million thing. others, yeah, but yeah. like, okay. So Mississippi Mazala, I never saw this movie. I remember the poster though. Mm -hmm. I know that Denzel Washington's in it, and there was this very fetching young woman on it named Sarita Shodri. Oh yeah, yeah something yeah. like that. Uh -huh. I think I, there's a guy. 
there's a guy on Facebook who has this has this name, almost the exact last name. Oh, really? And I don't know really how to pronounce it, and I'm sorry, but it's like either Shoujury or Shoujury mm-hmm. or something like that. Anyway, I don't know. what is. It's a love story. Yeah, it's an interesting one because it's about an African-American uh, Denzel, uh, an African-American. Yeah, exactly. An African-American played by Denzel right. who falls in love with an Indian woman. Yes. Um and like there's all these like overlaying issues of race because mm-hmm. it's not all just like the white uh oppression and stuff like that it's about african-american views towards interracial marriage outside of you know uh even even white people mm-hmm. like an indian uh, thing and then the indian people being distrustful of the african-americans yeah and it's all in this uh this mississippi town too so there's a lot of layers to it uh, i haven't seen it in a while but uh you know love conquers all and all yeah that. of course yeah. Uh, then there's my dog Skip. <laughs> my dog Mississippi Skip. After all the racism and stuff like that, you know this is one of the best dog movies I ever completely forgot after watching it. Oh yeah, yeah? I saw it. I remember thinking, boy, that was fucking good, and then I I forgot it all. Is Kevin Bacon in it? Kevin Bacon is in it. Uh, Luke Wilson, Diane Lane, and Frankie Muniz. I really liked it. I can't remember a damn thing. I think it's a Jack Russell Terrier. It is. All right. That's all um, I got. You know, listen. I can't watch fucking dog movies. No, well, especially, well, half of them do what this one does. Yeah, I mean, he, they, this one like survives up until the end, but then they always die. They always fucking they die. always old yellow them, them bastards. Yeah, Jesus. I, I mean, it doesn't unfortunately happen to Airbud though. Airbud, <laughs> Air well, Air is never that the dies. same golden retriever? I'm sure it's not, but no. I, but uh, Airbud never dies though. That's true. Um, unless he's like you know jason Voorhees or something like that <laughs> i think maybe it's awesome. just the easy emotional choice to make as a writer mm-hmm. um you know but i also think to a certain extent i can't blame them as somebody okay my wife and i have lost three cats in the last two years mm. and we've talked a lot lately about how much that fucking sucks um but it's not going to deter us from getting another cat down the road. Um, the, there's a beauty in owning a pet, and yeah, they all, they always die before you do. That's mm-hmm. kind of how it works. So I can't necessarily blame movies for doing that. It's just uh, you know, it, is, to, it does I, seem to be the the crutch. That yeah, they get on. I mean, we all know that dog's going to die eventually. Mm-hmm. You don't got to show. It's like showing me Lincoln's death at the end of Spielberg's Lincoln. Like yeah. I knew that was coming. <laughs> That's not part of the story you're telling. Right. Wait a minute, Lincoln dies at the end of Lincoln. <laughs> fucking spoilers man yeah fuck me i guess i don't have to watch that Shortly after he slaps joseph gordon levitt in the face you forgot uh, joseph gordon levitt was even in that movie I did didn't you? yeah most um, people do uh then there's oh brother where art thou uh fantastic movie Woo, this movie's good yeah Boy, um, coen a, brothers again once again god you know i know fargo's always up there with me uh we've talked about raising arizona before but this is this is really vying for like the top tier of my Cohen's uh, uh, fandom. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's just that it came out at the perfect time or that I've watched it so many times. It's that the I, music. It's the music, but I like all the shit. Um, I think I like that it's there's so many like little subplots to all the different characters. The the guy with the the sunglasses, uh, the 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 blind oracle that that takes them uh, down the train tracks and everything. You know, the the, the Cyclops uh, that uh, John Goodman plays, like all these little characters, the sirens. Yeah. He got kidnapped by some sirens. Yeah. And turned into a horny toad. <laughs> I fucking love this movie. There's so much 
to just get into. Every time you watch it, you'll see something new. And yes, the music is always like awesome. It reminds me of that part in the, in the theater and everything. And he's like, do not seek the treasure. And he's like, we thought you was a toad. And then he's like, do not <laughs> seek the treasure. <laughs> um, oh my God. The, it's, it's not like a great, I mean, it's not like this big story really per se, but like it's, it's well acted. It's well written. Mm-hmm. It's so funny. Um, Babyface Nelson, like Holly Hunter's character, yeah. like the, the guy who plays the the fellow that plays a guitar. Yeah. <laughs> Did you call Tim Blake Nelson Babyface Nelson? No, no, no. It's uh, George Babyface Nelson is the the robber. That the they Michael Badalucho character, I think. Oh, yeah. But Tim, Tim Blake-, Blake Nelson's in this movie yes. too, right? Okay. Yeah. God, I got really confused there for a second. Yeah. Yeah. And this is, uh, you know, the guy who sings in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I don't don't know him well, but I I, I I've run into him. Many yeah, because George Clooney wanted to sing in mm-hmm. this part, and apparently he's got a decent voice. But they were like, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're going to get Dan Tominsky yeah, to sing get your Dan part. Yeah, get Dan in there. And yeah, he, he nailed it. And oh, that's man. the song that you remember the most from Oh Brother, Where Are They? Well, like, partly because they play it up the, the most. But yeah, you do. that's probably the most memorable song off that soundtrack. Yeah. There was kind of like a, because T-Bone Burnett did the soundtrack to this. And there was like a bluegrass boom after this, like Allison Krauss. Still Union is. Station. Still is. I bet you there's, I bet you there's an Oh Brother, some kind of economy festival or something whether it's concerts or like this i bet you the symphony every couple of years gets allison krauss out there and mm-hmm. does some kind of oh brother what have you mm-hmm. <laughs> oh brother where what have you this the is, sequel to oh brother where are it's like that uh that whole thing too where she she tells Clooney, holly hunter tells Clooney, this is what i want and mm-hmm. out of all this and she wants the roll top desk was was his was the big thing I want my roll top desk well because the ring is in there yeah right? the yeah. ring's in there and uh and like sort of they have that big flood scene that happens and everything and there and then and then they they emerge from the water and it's like where did you think that came from and it's like it's like well I I tell you what happened and George Clooney has an answer for yeah. everything and he's like he's like I think they're going to be bringing hydroelectric power down here and everybody's going to be paying electricity on a paying business and all that and uh and he goes hey hey there's Tommy and Tommy he's like what are you what are you riding on there Tommy roll top desk. <laughs> <laughs> i love this movie so much i know it's so it's uh it's so funny and entertaining all the way through it's yep. such a good movie um then I, I i know you've seen this because you're a goldie hawn person mm-hmm. private benjamin i've yeah. never seen this oh it's good uh goldie hawn had this uh this career of playing rich privileged beautiful women mm-hmm. that uh, get knocked down a peg yeah. like happen in overboard right and uh, same thing here like she enlists in the in the army for reasons uh, but she's like a rich socialite and all that stuff and she goes down to mississippi to uh, do basic training and and Biloxi. Uh, and Biloxi. yeah all same right. thing as Biloxi blues that's what i thought um and she ends up liking it and th- then there's this whole like romantic comedy aspect to it but uh but she it has like some weight to her, like some dramatic weight to her in this movie. <laughs> Glad you added the word dramatic. <laughs> some weight to her. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, it's 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 uh, it's very good. Yeah. I like I like me some Goldie Hawn. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's just uh, for whatever reason, a, a lot of her movies just slipped on by. Me too. And then we have the Sound and the Fury of William Faulkner. There's two William Faulkner adaptations, maybe even more. I don't know. Um, I think it also involves like a. Uh, 
a, a young girl that's people are vying for her affection. Oh, yeah. Although I think Yul Brenner plays like her uncle or her custodian or something like that. Mm. Maybe he's trying to fend off. But uh, yeah, so that version exists. I think it, like. 1959 and then james franco got his hands on it in 2014 and tried to do it mm. never saw that version. who's in that i saw that Wait, Franco, who's in that i did see this is this like a colonial mm, i mean it's like plantation style i saw this uh it's uh scott hayes anna o'reilly joey king tim blake nelson <laughs> joey wow. king i think i did see this and it was forgettable now danny mcbride is in it seth rogan is in it i guess they called in favors hmm uh L- loretta divine have you ever read the book a long time ago yeah was it did you did you like it yeah i mean or i, I was too into, young to really no no no, no, no. I, I read it primarily in college I, I, I went through like a like a southern writer phase when i was reading a lot of larry brown yeah uh and uh and faulkner and stuff like that and uh yeah it was it was interesting you really like go into that mindset that whole like southern mentality when you read these books mm-hmm. and where there's different rules and i don't mean that in a in a terrible way but like the way people interact the way that how much they drink you know that kind of thing like it's it just seems like a different universe and that this is kind of in that mm-hmm. i like the sound better than the fury yeah me too oh i love the fury no you're wrong no. Mm-hmm. um then there is straw dogs which I don't think I've seen either version of Straw. Oh, really? Yeah. Sam Peckinpah did the first one. Right. And that was set in England. Yeah. And then somebody random did this. I mean, like somebody you've heard of before did the last Straw Dogs, but it's like, really? It was Rod Lurie. Yeah. Rod Lurie. Yeah. Rod Lurie. (laughs) Who directed you. Yeah. Who directed me. In Uh, The Last Castle. That's right. We'll get to that. Um, So (sighs) I've seen this movie. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the, uh, the remake, the remake, the one with uh, James Marsden, Surfer Girl, Kate Bosworth, Kate yeah, Bosworth. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I almost said I Lois like, Lane. Well, I was sitting there going <laughs> Anna Sophia Robb, <laughs> but she's probably too young for a 2011 Straw. Yeah, and I've said this before. And I know there's no logic, but my brain has filed this alongside five or six other horror movies from the aughts made with hot famous people, like that Vacancy with the. Uh, Kate Beckinsale mm-hmm. and uh, Timothy Oliphant one, and the, the, <laughs> the they all run together because at this point in my life I simply wasn't watching horror movies. There was no reason I watched them today because I've come to appreciate the really good ones and I watch them for sins purposes, uh, and so I can make references to them for sins purposes. But yeah, I just oh another hot person and uh, somebody's attacking them and be the crazies, the, the yeah. one with the masks and Liv Tyler, oh the strangers. That, that's all. No, like- I understand that, especially around this time. Uh, the first one, uh, the original with Dustin Hoffman, was was considered a classic, really, mm, yeah, because it's a revenge fantasy, essentially, yeah, yeah. right? The guy is, you back know, back in the '70s, if if some shit happened to you, you were getting revenge, <laughs> yeah. yeah but he's he's like this. I know this term is th- like cuckolded husband, oh, yeah, yeah, um, who finally like grows a pair and starts like killing people that that did terrible things to his mm-hmm. wife, and I think the same thing happens here with james mars and yeah the, that's alexander skarsgård yeah, yeah but yeah. he doesn't know to my recollection that that stuff happened i don't think until later on until halfway through right, the movie right, right. or so right because mm-hmm. it, to him it's just well these people who knew my wife from when she used to live here are acting really weird mm-hmm. and now they're acting violent and then i think later he finds out that they did some shady shit yep okay. and then and then he kills the shit out of them yeah yeah mm-hmm. okay um then there is a time to kill um mm-hmm. so I'm trying to remember if I like this movie or not. I, I, <laughs> I, so this was John Grisham's first big best-selling novel. 
and we saw the firm first and then we saw the client and apparently after seeing the client he's like yes joel schumacher you must be the one to direct my <laughs> prized number one best-selling novel that everybody wants to see uh another racism movie yep. um this one yeah it's it's a it's an awful story i mean it's uh it's two two white guys rape this uh was i guess an eight or nine year old yeah yeah black super girl. young uh-huh and uh and they're about to go free over it or they or it's the whispers are that they're gonna go free because of the just the jury pool that they're gonna have to deal with and everything uh samuel l jackson is the father of this of this kid and he 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 goes ahead and kills them Mm -hmm. at the courthouse so the whole trial is is it justified murder Right. And the movie says yes. And the movie says yes. The movie does say yes. And that is, oh, man. That is fucked up. It's fucked up because while you might be satisfied that he did that, holy shit, what a <laughs> terrible legal precedent that would set. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And um, I forget what McConaughey's argument is. It, like, it, it, the, the movie, and I think the book, frames it in a context to where it is a justifiable homicide according to some he, sort of law. I'll tell you what he does. He, I know what he does. Yeah, he, he tells the white, the mostly white jury to think of this girl being white. He says That's the right. most graphic That's description right. of what happened to her and then says... Now imagine that girl was white. Is that yeah. the tipping point, end. though? That's it. That's oh, the end I of it. So. That closes his argument out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then you have, uh, there's a scene in there where Chris Cooper is like, because he gets shot in the in the middle of all that where Samuel Jackson's killing the other guys. And so he's on the trial and he's he's up on the in the box as a witness against Carly Haley and everything. But he flips the script midway through and he's like, I have a little girl. And if somebody had done that to my girl, I'd kill him just like Carly did <laughs> and blah, blah, blah. And, and there's a, Kevin Spacey is really just evil. Oh, and he's slimy as he's shit. So, man. It, there's a there's a there's a point where um where. I guess they're they're saying like oh yeah what a you know everybody's basically saying Carly Haley did this they didn't not see him kill all mm-hmm. he's killed in front of millions yeah, of witnesses yeah, all right. and uh and uh and I think he apparently he's talking to oh he oh he went to this is a part and it was in the Chris Cooper part because Samuel Jackson is apparently Carly goes up to him and says I'm sorry for kill, shooting you or whatever <laughs> and Kevin Spacey's like oh. So he admitted shooting you. <laughs> and we haven't even mentioned Donald Sutherland, Oliver Platt, and Sandra Bullock. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'll tell you in this movie. Ashley Judd. Ashley Judd. Ashley Judd. This movie's sweaty. It's yes, the it sweatiest movie. Everybody's yeah. fucking oh, yeah. slick, man. It's but like it's they walked like out of a pool. I mean, I hate to say this about a movie that's covering racism, but it's a sexy kind of sweat. Yeah. yeah like yeah. Sandra well, bullock ashley judd well yeah movie, yeah man. they do and there's scenes in there where mcconaughey and bullock are like working real late at night and everything yeah, and, and, and she's pouring, pouring sweat and uh and uh and she's like so do you think i should stay because because it's really like getting to that point where they're gonna have to fuck yeah and uh and he's like he's like yes so I guess you better go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and Kiefer. I forgot yeah. Kiefer's in this. Well, and Kiefer is like an awful racist in this movie. And there's like a scene that's completely unnecessary where they they strip Sandra Bullock down and tie her to like a telephone oh, yeah. pole and say that the animals are going to get to her and all of her. So I don't believe that was in the book. No. I think they just <laughs> threw that in there because we need more evil people in right. this fucking movie. <laughs> um, this was a... Uh, 
Uh, so Matthew McConaughey had done Dazed and Confused, and he'd become, you know, this rising star and everything. Believe this was down to him or Woody Harrelson getting this, hmm. getting the Jake Brigance role in this, and uh, McConaughey got it. And then they later appeared in Ed TV together. Oh yeah, um, and uh, True Detective. and True Detective, of course. Um, but uh, yeah, I, again, I don't know what to think of this because the actors are great in it. It's a great story. But its conclusions oh, are just, uh, mm-hmm. they're just, uh, they're wrong. They're absolutely <laughs> 100% factually wrong. Yeah. Now imagine she's white. Yeah. That's a, that's a pretty good impression. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. a pretty good impression. And he's got this whole mouth breather thing in this movie where, mm-hmm. you know, he knows he's good looking. He knows he's all sweated up and everything. He's like lubed up his arms with butter and shit like right, that. Right. Uh, and he's just like, he's so impressed with himself. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to turn this jury racket. Yeah. That's good. By the way, uh, I, I don't know if this was the beginning of it, but it may be a bunch of McConaughey roles that do this. But remember how True Detective was, where a lot of it was a lot of him whispering. <laughs> yeah. Talking about it. This new movie that's coming out called Serenity, which is the you know i mean another movie called serenity oh nice, oh yeah. joy yeah um but it's a him and Anne hathaway and oh. like, uh and uh she wants him to go and kill her husband or something really like that. another uh, have you, have you seen this trailer uh-huh. um like it's it all through the trailer it's just i mean matthew mcconaughey is living a life basically of acting where he's just like and that's that's what he's getting by with these days he's like tom hardy with no enunciation yeah well yeah it worked for bob dylan yeah it did it did a long time did i think i think uh that's what he's going for right yeah Yeah. then finally we have the war the elijah wood kevin costner movie yeah i saw this when it came out i haven't seen it since and it was like 93 94 94 i I feel like this movie is depressing as fuck oh yeah yeah this movie is running together with the clint eastwood movie. the perfect Perfect world world. world. yeah yeah, yeah. i can't tell them apart right you know but this was this was a treehouse uh war movie right yeah yeah oh like a family film yeah although no i mean it's, it's yeah it's not like it's not like uh ha, 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 hitting you with the balloon no gotcha yeah. <laughs> um, more like the stepmom more like stepmom more okay. like yeah. the good son. i guarantee you somebody falls out of that tree and has a spinal injury i think it's in like a like a like a water containment thing mm-hmm. like one of those water towers and somebody almost drowns the main thing about this is elijah wood like it was one of his first big roles in like where he really killed it mm-hmm. uh so he got a lot of accolades for that yeah uh, costner was being costner and hero bullshit yeah, I think I, he dies. He know. does. He he does. I just remember being excited about this because I thought it was going to be super fun and it was going to be like this, you know, war get, battle of treehouse movies <laughs> yeah. or whatever. And it no. really wasn't like that. <laughs> um, so here are here's the rundown of the ones we didn't put in the list here. Uh, Crimes of the Heart. I never saw that. Diane Keaton, C- Sissy Spacek, and Jessica Lange. Mm, that's a pretty good cast. That is a good cast. Uh, I never saw Crimes of the Heart though. Mm-mm, me what, neither. Do you know what it's about at all? No. Uh, somebody probably got their heart crime no the- <laughs> <laughs> i hate it when my heart is crying you gotta you, that's a whole day at the doctor uh there are three sisters who reunite in mississippi yay okay uh, uh 
the infamous Crossroads, which I never saw. Britney Spears. Britney Spears? No, no, no. This is this is not the Britney Spears. Oh, movie. damn oh, it! Not? I want to no. talk about that movie. I've <laughs> seen it. It would have made sense because Britney isn't she from Mississippi? She, well, Louisiana. Oh, Louisiana. <clears throat> yeah, but she could pull off Mississippi. So it's not the. What, when did this come out? This came out in 1986. It's a coming of age musical drama film. Oh, uh, oh, it's uh, it's oh, it's, it's based Maggio. on. Yeah, yeah, it's based on Robert Johnson. Robert Johnson. Yeah, yeah. I've seen this. The Devil at the oh, Crossroads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah kind of yeah. like the Oh Brother Where Aren't Thou. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you seen this? I saw it. I was mean, it, it was in. I saw it probably in the eighties. But did yeah. you see the Britney Spears version? Yeah, that's why I was excited. <laughs> she to also talk about was that tempted movie. by the devil. I'm telling <laughs> you, man. Crossroads is not a hundred percent irredeemable. Oh yeah. So we saw that in it. Uh, that's true. Right. Is that the only reason why it's hundred percent irredeemable? Well, there's also a part where they put on sexy outfits and group karaoke um pour some sugar on me in their oh, hotel room yeah no in a bar oh yeah that is uh, it's not a bad scene that is a movie that i wanted to see strictly for that reason <laughs> well, but i didn't i didn't watch it's a breezy it. 92 minutes probably yeah. get in and out <laughs> it's a- one of those anson mount that's one of those it? that's what yeah anson mount <laughs> that's one of those funny that's one of those movies that came out back in the day you know like honey or glitter mm-hmm. from justin to kelly yeah from justin to kelly <laughs> i'm just saying zoe Saldana right now is probably one of the top three grossing stars in all of hollywood just because of her star trek and marvel stuff mm-hmm. and you know you're always going to be able to make fun of her by saying you were at crossroads <laughs> that's true <laughs> <laughs> then there's down in the delta maya angelou directed yeah that. i don't I know saw it. i don't know if she's directed they anything else. A, they should have said a poet yeah. they should have said a poet they did <laughs> uh free state of jones i did not see that either the I matthew mcconaughey movie. we're all over Is matthew mcconaughey um it has television movie production values mm-hmm. Uh, it's just like it's. One, I think if I'm, if I'm right, it's a, this town that wants to be Union that's stuck on the other side of the Confederate border, and people keep stealing their chickens. Mm. I don't know, something like that. I remember thinking McConaughey's way too good for this shit. It looked awful, and I think it got delayed in production because he saw trailers for like a fucking year. Mm-hmm. Like it was, it was coming out in October or something like that, and then it got pushed to January or March or something. But like he's that. basically the guy. He's the William Wallace that bands together the poor oppressed people william wallace back. take up arms against the people who are fucking you <laughs> and never take our freedom yes <laughs> who are you doing an impression of <laughs> oh as william wallace <laughs> freedom <laughs> i'm going to pick a fight <laughs> uh then there's the hollers you said it says john krasinski's yeah. first is that his directorial debut mm-hmm. yeah, yeah so yeah i saw it yeah mm-hmm. i watched this actually because of the woman whose name i always forget from season two of the Kentucky show who's on <laughs> who's on the Bojack show and they always call her by name oh Margaret uh Margo uh, oh, Martindale. Margo, Martindale. Margo Martindale I watched it because she's in it <laughs> is it any good yeah it's okay yeah. it's like any going home someone's sick Thanksgiving time nice dad's dying whatever it is like I think it's a parent that's dying and so the family reunites in the hollers, in the hollers, where they where they all grew up. The hollers with an A. Not it's with as an e. good as any of those movies can be. Right. Uh, then there's the horse soldiers. That's a John Wayne movie, right? Uh, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, it's not the twelve strong. Movie. It's not the recently declassified <laughs> yeah. story right. of the horse soldiers. Yeah, I never saw this either. Uh, Miss Firecracker, never saw that. Uh, Tammy and the Bachelor, nope. 
<laughs> and Thieves Like Us, another Altman movie that I did not see. Who's one of the few like times us? that you've written a, a rundown there where I haven't seen at least one of these movies. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know how I missed both of those Robert Altman movies, but I have. Who's yeah. in the Thieves Like Us movie? I feel like I've I seen bet this Elliot one. Gould's in it. <laughs> <laughs> Keith Carradine, Shelley Duvall, uh, Louise Fletcher, and Tom Skeert. Mm. Yeah, I guess I Came out in 1974. Okay, well, that's Mississippi. Yep. We Mississippi. Covered we covered it. Thanks for coming with us on a trip to Sippy. Yeah. <laughs> out of all those, watch In the Heat of the Night, The Insider, and Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Yeah, for sure. Yep. Change your life. Watch those Change movies. Change your life. Uh, and what? Next will be Missouri. Yep. Missouri. 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 <laughs> Missouri. And right yeah. in the middle of America. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't looked to see how many uh, movies are set in Missouri. I'm sure. I don't know how many are set in like St. Louis mm-hmm. or like where uh, this uh, Sharp Objects is set in Missouri, right? Yeah, I think it is. Could have fooled me. <laughs> and it's that, like, well, it's like, like any tiny town USA. Yeah, They're not yeah. playing I like it. that uh, that Netflix show Ozark is, oh, yeah, yeah. is in Missouri. That's uh, Aaron Dicer's home state, it right? It is. Yeah. All right, uh, so are we going to rant about some shit? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I'm as mad as hell. You've never seen me very upset. Yes, let's rant. We've got we're we're locked and loaded today, man. Okay, go for it. All right. So you remember these Comedy Central roasts that used to happen like once a fucking week? I do. A few years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you ever like any of those? No. Uh, yeah, there was one. There's Which been a couple of it? funny ones. The Charlie Sheen one, I think, was was kind of funny. There was a the Trump Bieber roast. one. Yeah, the Bieber one, I think, was the most recent one, uh, where but it was like Pete Davidson. And for fucking... the most part, no, they're not. They're not good. They're. I mean, you get. It, it depends on who you get. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you get somebody like Anthony Jeselnik up there, then it's all funny mm-hmm. all the time because that's his. That's his thing. Is is and he's perfect at it. And Jeffrey Ross himself is good at it. But then there was one. Who was it that they got? Uh, like Polly B from Jersey the situation. They got the situation. They got Mike, the situation, whatever. Yeah. For one they of them. Fucking Martha Stewart on the Bieber one. Well, Martha Stewart actually isn't the worst offender. Like she can actually deliver lines, but they so, got, they got the situation for one of them. And right. he got up there and he bombed more horribly than I have seen anybody bomb mm-hmm. in anything. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, apparently and Jeffrey Ross had to come up there <laughs> and like, you know, put his arm around him and was like, yeah, you just go on, man. It's fine. Go. You know, uh, well, they just did Bruce Willis uh, this weekend. And I don't know when it's coming out. It's uh, uh, I think it's July 29th or something. Like OK. That. Yeah. And they get they entertainment weekly or whatever gave the rundown of like the worst jokes and the the funniest jokes and the biggest burns and shit like that. And like I've I've always had a bit of a problem with these roasts, especially when they bring out like I think for it was Alec Baldwin and they brought out like his daughter to do some some shit. Mm-hmm. And it's like when you get to that territory, like apparently they bring out Demi Moore to, mm-hmm. to roast Bruce Willis. And she makes jokes, of course, that are all pre written jokes and everything, but about their marriage yeah. that like have, you know, actual like punch because it's about like little things in their marriage. And like that just fucking makes me uncomfortable, man. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to. Like, okay, yeah, Anthony Jeselnik or Jeffrey Ross or something like that, making fun of the days, like the old Friars Club roasts mm-hmm. with like you know the Rat Pack and fucking Sinatra and Johnny Carson and all those guys. Like that was much more lighthearted. It wasn't mean spirited. The ones these days 
are too mean spirited for me. Yeah. And apparently this is no different. It's going to be even worse. And it's like, I'm not, I'm not down with that. And then also apparently Dennis Rodman is one of the roasters yeah. for Bruce and Willis. He apparently bombs pretty he hard. He apparently too. bombs really hard. And it's like, why, why do I even want to watch that though? Yeah. I, I could tell you well, that he's going to bomb. And uh, it was, uh, I think it was Cat Williams who was on one of these, the, uh, the Flavor Flav one. And he didn't have very kind words to say about the process either. And it, and it seemed like to him from Cat Williams perspective that, uh, a lot of these white comedians were just gonna just gave had free range to say whatever they wanted to because mm-hmm. it's a roast and uh and uh and cat williams is it's a funny bit in his his stand-up where he's like he's like yeah all these guys came out here and they were all saying this and that but uh like um they're saying all this racist stuff but in the name of mm-hmm. uh, in the name of jokes and uh you know hardly any of us are getting any kind of time uh going up there and saying our own thing but uh he came up to Flava Flava afterwards and he's like, he, he wanted to ask him, what do you feel? What do you think about that? That was like some of the most racist shit ever and all this other whatever. And he's like, Hey man, they're paying me for this. Yeah. And he was he's like, he's like, he's like, I didn't think I'd ever be able to learn anything from Flava Flav. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, um, it is mean spirited and they bring up things that are, I believe touchy yeah, and shouldn't, I mean, it, you, I know it's everything go or anything goes. You have to cross goes. the line, but it seems like like that James Franco one. Yeah, like everything was about oh he's gay. Like right. oh look at how many gay things he's done mm-hmm. or whatever. And that's like the only joke the entire time. And they they told a joke about Aziz Ansari, and Aziz Ansari came up and he's like. He's like, you still telling Seven Eleven jokes? Yeah. It's like 2013 or whatever. It's like that was back in the 80s. Yeah. Like, those were retired. I, yeah, I feel like this is like a license to go over the line and just say whatever you want to. And yeah, there may be a place for that, but I don't know. I'm I'm not cool with it. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not comfortable with that. Well, and it's just been so. I have a feeling like when it started back in whenever, the 40s, the first famous people roast each other thing, I bet it was off the cuff. Mm-hmm. I bet it wasn't pre-scripted. I bet everyone was laughing the entire time. And now it's just been commoditized or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's marketed and packaged. And it feels very similar to me to that fucking rap battle game show yeah. that just grates on my... Why would I want to spend 30 minutes watching two famous people poorly rap lyrics somebody else wrote for them and they spent half a day rehearsing well and mm-hmm. even comedy central has roast battle with jeffrey Rush. oh yeah yeah you ever watch that? those are pretty yeah, those are all right those are all right i mean mm-hmm. those are two people that you, those are people that are hired because they're funny or whatever most of them i guess there's half of them are, are celebrities or are stand-up comics and the other half are like either aspiring stand-up comics or whatever uh they're pretty good actually mm. and i think it i think they're more palatable because it's not like people going into like charlie sheen's you know sorted past and, yeah, yeah. and, and, and everything if you want to yeah i think you i think when you cross the line maybe you stick with the bad acting or the bad movies yeah. and and stuff not like, like there's that there's not plenty of evidence right know? right and i don't know maybe it's not much of a show if they don't go there and i know what you're saying at the same time, I don't know if there's any way they can get around it. No, it, if anything, they're going to get worse and yeah. worse and more over the line. Yeah. So what does Bruce Willis have coming up that he's promoting? I don't know. I, don't, I mean, they do these at, at weird times. Like the Alec Baldwin one was weird. The Justin mm-hmm. Bieber one was weird. The Trump one was weird. It was yeah. just like, 
See, you know? I don't know about that. I feel like the Bieber one happened at a time in his career where he had a lot of negative press. And he fucking publicly begged Seth Rogen to come on there and roast him. And <laughs> Rogen wouldn't do it. And it was clear to me that Bieber was doing this to show he could laugh at himself. And he wasn't taking everything so serious. This was a PR move. Mm-hmm. So I'm just wondering what the PR move for Bruce Willis is. He's not in the middle of any bad news that I know of. I don't know. Maybe something's about to break. I don't know. Secret Maybe the whole 11 trial. yard is, is going yeah. <laughs> No idea. I don't know. All right. Um, what, what are you doing now? Oh, you want to rant? Uh, I Every once in a while, I'm going to have to I'll, I have to come back to just rude people. I did it basically last week, but um, we all know going to movie theaters is... It the only good thing about it is getting to watch the movie <laughs> and maybe being with people that you haven't hung out with. <laughs> but everything else about it sucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, and you know it just goes to show how spoiled I was for as long as I was to be able to watch movies by myself and not worry about other people and everything. But there is this thing that keeps happening to me when I go to these when I go to movies. The people who come in late somehow have some entitlement to say as loudly as possible well where do you want to sit yeah blah 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 <laughs> and then they'll sit down and they got their popcorn and all sort of stuff they're opening that shit up and they have other conversations they were finishing out and the concessions that they got to finish that up can well, you put my purse over there on yeah, that seat next to you yeah <laughs> well we didn't get a chance to finish this out in the hallway so yeah. why not here mm-hmm. 10 minutes into the movie <laughs> you know um it's almost like because i feel like in general i totally get what you're saying i hate this i feel like in general there's a shared understanding that some measure of talking phone use and package noise is acceptable certainly during the slide presentation or that fucking Mm. regal tv shit they show before Mm. and and even during the trailers and the policy trailer but once the movie starts you shut the fuck up and it sounds like these are people who want the 20 minute sound buffer but they they want to start it when the movie starts well, that's at, the their, way I at feel. their convenience. And that is not the yeah. way that's it works. That's the way I feel it is. They missed out on that. Yeah. So now they're entitled to uh. have that when they come in. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it happens every time. And you also get because you have, because people are late to the movie, it's this kind of person who's late to the movie. Who's also more likely to be in a distraction throughout the movie. Like, whisper loudly to people by the way uh, all you out there who fucking whisper during movies you have no idea how loud you are mm-hmm. like like i can hear you whispering like the fact that i can't hear what you're saying is even more annoying yeah. because <laughs> all i hear is you're like matthew mcconaughey in all his movies you know it's just freedom man yeah yeah exactly so yeah uh that that's happened quite a lot this happened in all movies uh i think it was won't you be my neighbor oh really and it was oh my god and it was like uh good 10 minutes into it and 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 the people walked in and i and i know that one of them needed help down the stairs because she was older and everything and that's fine but the whole like well where do you want to sit and all that why why can't that be a little bit lower why can't you go up to the ear and go well where do you want to sit Mm -hmm. you know instead of like well you know i have no other option here than to just yell out what what we're doing during a movie about manners and kindness and stuff like exactly yeah it's like uh you people are just gonna have to deal with it all right i got my rant all right are you done i'm done Enough with the fucking avocados. 
Mm. I don't know if this is just America, mm. but they're putting avocado in fucking everything. Mm-hmm. Now, I first started to take notice of this when my wife kind of got me into sushi about six, eight weeks ago. And it's very hard for me if I go to like a Publix or Kroger or Whole Foods to find a sushi in that grab and go that they've made that day. It's fairly fresh. It's going to taste good. But that doesn't have avocado in it. What's your thing with avocados? It's a tasteless lump of mush. If you eat avocado straight without seasoning it and adding in vegetables to make guacamole, it's just useless. It might as well be fucking tofu. And I get that you like it and it's healthy and I don't know, it's got fatty acids or whatever the <laughs> fuck we like. But now you can't you can't go to a restaurant without seeing it on the menu for a burger, a club sandwich, every fucking salad that they make. Mm-hmm. This breakfast place my wife and I like to go to, half the fucking dishes have avocado. They have a BLT with avocado. I go to which witch I want to get a BLT, comes with avocado. <laughs> fucking enough. Who do, who do the avocado farmers have naked pictures of? You don't feel like avocado has like an avocado-y taste to it? It doesn't, not enough to put it on everything. Mm, see, I got to disagree with you. You can man. have a trend like a hot chicken trend, <laughs> but you don't see hot chicken on fucking everything. You don't see mm. a shrimp roll with hot chicken in it. You don't see an omelet with hot chicken in it. You don't see a hot chicken <laughs> sounds delicious, top actually. burger. <laughs> Fuck you, man. You're killing my point here. Avocado is not good enough on its own to warrant being put in fucking everything. No, I understand. There's an over prevalence of uh, avocado. Yes, yes, that's all I'm trying to say. You. I yeah. got you. That's all I'm trying to say. I, I I merely add salt to my avocado, mm-hmm. and that's that's enough for me to to like it. Um, now, yeah, you're right. It's everywhere. They have they had that whole. I think I think what backs up your point is a couple of years ago there was that whole commercial where the two girl, mm-hmm. two women were like fighting over how much they liked avocado. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's right. They were they were basically <laughs> saying, um you know, I like it more and they were showing all the different avocado accessories they had and all that funny commercial, but come on, it's goddamn avocado. (laughs) It's everywhere. It's, it doesn't need to be in as many places as it is. I gotcha. And I I think there's a conspiracy afoot. I think so too. I think you're right. All right. (laughs) Good rant. Yeah. So, uh, uh, recommends and warns. Yeah. Warns and warn amends. Totes amazeballs. They're great. It won the Academy Award. Oh, for what? For best movie ever made. You know, I feel like I've gotten more excitement in planning Recca Warns than I am for recommends mm-hmm. and or warns. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll go ahead and start because I, I accidentally onto this movie recently called Consenting Adults. Oh, yeah. You ever seen this movie? Was this, is is this Patrick Bergen's in it? Kevin Spacey? Uh, Kevin Spacey, Kevin Klein. Kevin Klein. Uh, Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio. Oh, man. I love me some Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio. I love me some M.E.M. <laughs> <laughs> She's truly outrageous. That's right. And Rebecca Miller and early young, young, young Forrest Whitaker, too. Oh. Um, younger than... Uh, Younger than Color of Money Forest Whitaker? Mm, no, no, because this, this is, is 1992. Oh. Yeah. Okay, so this was, I don't know, Alan Pacula. Pacula or Pacula? It's Alan J. Pacula, I believe. Pacula. Yeah. Okay, who did, who's done, like, amazing stuff. Yeah. Right? He did, uh, he did To Kill a Mockingbird. He was All the President's yep. Men. Sophie's Choice. Like, all this stuff. Um, this movie is fucking bonkers. It is, it is awful. It's, it's maybe the worst movie I've ever seen. Really? Right. Uh, it, because if taken at face value, this movie wants to be Hitchcock. Mm-hmm. Uh, what it is is Kevin Spacey playing a next door neighbor 
who's maybe a little bit slimy, but uh, he wants to do a little wife swapping mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, because he, he likes uh, Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio and uh, Kevin Klein likes his wife. And there's a thing where, where he looks at Kevin Klein is like, you want to fuck my wife, don't you? Mm-hmm. And Kevin Klein, as he is one of the most expressive comedic actors ever, sits there stone faced throughout 90 percent of this movie. Oh, really? Uh, I think this, by the way, I think this is why I thought Patrick Bergen might be in this movie <laughs> because Kevin <laughs> Kevin Klein looks a lot like him, right? Yeah, he does. He does. Yeah. With the mustache, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got the mustache, and so you think, okay, skeezy Kevin Spacey uh, wants to do a wife swap. By the way, they want to do the wife swap without the wives knowing uh, while mm, they're asleep. Right. By the way, right. So it's like a. Never mind, I can't think of the name. <laughs> that train movie, Dicer made me watch the Hitchcock made, where they vow to kill each other's wives. Strangers on oh, a train. Strangers on strangers a train. Strangers on a train, only with only with sex. Uh, yeah, with sex. Yeah, 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 yeah. You think that's where it ends? It's not where it ends. That's like the first half of the movie. Mm-hmm. Then the movie goes completely off the rails, Ooh. involving murders and baseball bats and body doubles and all kinds of crazy shit. Once again, trying to be Hitchcock, right. but it's so fucking absurd. It's yeah. absolutely absurd. I, the reason that I, I reckon warn this movie mm-hmm. is that it's gorgeously shot. It's shot like the untouchables. Like it's got beautiful panning shots, wide things coming in, uh, a lot of like through like imagery with using windows and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It is gorgeous and especially mm-hmm. in its restored version, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but the, it, and it's got amazing people in it. You know, typically Kevin Klein is fantastic. Mary Elizabeth Mastrantoni is fantastic. Yeah. Kevin Spacey is Kevin Spacey, but he's a good actor, especially in the nineties. Yeah. This is, uh, yeah, this is, this is wild. Uh, I, I would say it's worth watching just to laugh. Uh, in fact, Roger, I was looking it up. Roger Ebert and Gene Siskel disagreed vehemently on this really? movie. Siskel hated it. I, um, I can imagine, yeah. And Roger Ebert liked it only because he was uh, halfway through, he decided to view it as a comedy. This is why. <laughs> yeah. Which is the way to do this. This is why I always preferred Ebert and the Siskel and Ebert stuff. Siskel didn't ever seem to have a sense of humor about how he watched movies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I've seen so many of them on some movies that are just classics to me where he's like, Oh yeah, I, I didn't think it was all that good. You know mm. I mean? It's all right. And everything. And when, I, when you, when you said Siskel and Ebert, I was like, I bet Ebert liked this. <laughs> and I bet Siskel just dismissed it as just trash, yeah. which is his right. But, and it, it is trash. Yeah. He's, he's right. They're both right. Yeah. And the only way to get through this, this movie, I laughed out loud more at this movie than I did blockers. Swear to God, watched it by myself, just sitting there like cracking up mm. I, because the next bonkers thing kept happening. It Sounds was like, like no, my no. experience with law abiding citizens like <laughs> something that's trying to be serious gets so ridiculous that you end up having a ton of fun with yeah, it yeah 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 oh and it's so gorgeously shot uh it, it's it's the definition of a record worn for wow, yeah. all right hmm? uh i'm gonna recommend this uh documentary on hbo robin williams god inside damn my it mind. this is why i need, need to do show prep yeah that was gonna be my recommend but you're right it's awesome go uh, for it it's really good because it's got uh, a lot of uh, footage i've never seen before robin williams uh, especially one section where they uh show him just saying stuff off the cuff on mork and mindy mm. uh, that could never air obviously but yeah. just like you know you know, like go when he you know at the end of mork and mindy he'd always go and tell the 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 alien guy mm-hmm. like what he learned and everything and uh and like the whoever's playing the alien guy flubs a line or whatever is like it's like you got the fucking script right in front of you <laughs> <Something like that. laughs> and, uh, but just uh 
you know, I've I've seen I've seen some other documentary on Robin Williams, and I couldn't figure out what which one it was. There's one on reels, actually. I Is just there? saw this like maybe a week ago that features Leonard Malton very prominently. Oh, really? What they did, and it's an interesting documentary. This is why I haven't watched the HBO version yet, because I just saw this. Mm -hmm. It's got some really good information. It's got like a bunch of uh, interviews with like Jay Thomas and with uh, Robin Williams' first wife or like, you know, people that have were, were in his life. Uh, and but they didn't have access to a lot of footage. Mm -hmm. uh, it would just be little, little snips of like Good Morning Vietnam or more Comedia or something yeah. like that. So this sounds like it's a lot more footage heavy. Yeah, they have. Uh, there's a section where they show uh he's he's uh he's actually studying acting before he even gets into stand-up stand-up comedy and everything uh and there's a there's a there's a shot of him and his and his acting troupe going to like uh edinburgh scotland or something hmm. like that to play in um it's uh taming of the shrew i think it's one of those one of those uh shakespeare hmm. plays and apparently they were really good and whatever this was like 1971 and there's like footage of robin williams partying with people and stuff in 1971 and then it slowly gets to him doing his stand-up act and everything and and it's you know it's got all it's got um i guess it's got all three of his wives in this or is it just the two um i don't think uh her second wife is in this. i don't think she's interviewed the first, the first one, one that is. first one hung on for a lot longer than you'd think she yeah. would <laughs> well and she even brings up the point that he like does a stand-up act and he was like hanging out with girls and taking them taking them to uh, hotels and stuff and she's like i want him to do that i just want him to come back home is mm -hmm. all, I, all i cared about um uh i don't think it and i'm glad it doesn't do this a lot of times a documentary like this will try to go why why does somebody like this uh, commit suicide and everything like that and bobcat goldthwaite has sort of a an idea about why that is towards the end because he and bobcat were friends and mm -hmm. everything but i thought it was interesting just seeing his life all the way through this who he was friends with at the time like when he was working mindy famous hanging out with de niro and belushi he was actually that there that night with belushi when yeah he, he, died. he left like a like an hour or so before yeah. right and then yeah. like cold or something pam, like that? pam dauber who was on, on morgan mindy told him that and robin Williams was like i i was with him last night yeah, i was yeah. with him last night and apparently that scared him sober for a while mm -hmm. um that's the other thing i'm not even going to come up with another recommend i'll just weigh in on this okay. one because it's so good but the movie doesn't the movie doesn't pull as many punches as you might expect a movie like this to pull there are people who loved him who are interviewed who talk openly about his uh alcoholism and how mm -hmm. it was a struggle or how his constant need to be on mm -hmm. and and it wasn't purely selfless it was almost one guy i think even outright calls it selfish that he needed to have people laughing at what he said yeah, he needed like to a be drug on itself. And be, yeah and so the the documentary I'm, I'm i was happy to see that and i would consider it more of a retrospective than a documentary because it's really a collection of footage audio and interviews um, but for me the most touching part was listening to the voicemails that he had left for billy crystal yeah in various voices and characters oh really throughout their they play two of them mm -hmm. from start to finish and they talk about a few others that he would just occasionally call and leave this 
He was like, hey, this is Lou, the AC man, or whatever. I don't know what the character was, but he would leave these full voicemails for his friend Billy Crystal. I also didn't realize it makes sense to me, but I didn't realize exactly how close those two were. Yeah. You could was have it subtitled... them that did the comic relief with Whoopi yeah. Goldberg? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you could, and there's a lot of footage of and that. And that was all about uh, <clears throat> for homeless people, comic yeah. relief. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, but I didn't realize. You could have subtitled the movie. You didn't realize he was this good of friends with Billy Crystal. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was really moved by it. My wife, actually, I went in the other room. She was reading and she said, what's wrong? And I said, ah, I just watched a movie. I'll talk to you about it later. And, because it kind of it doesn't not going to end on a happy note. Yeah. But. And there's a there's other footage in there. I did. I hadn't I did, did not realize that he and Steve Martin did that waiting for Godot. Oh, yeah. Uh, play or whatever. Really? Yeah. Huh. And uh, and they show footage of them on stage together. And uh, what point was that? Was this early on? This was like 1986 or 87, oh, wow. somewhere around there um and there's a there's a i love this too because they show some footage of them i guess after the show and there's all these reporters asking them questions and they're like and somebody asks a, a really i guess condescending type question where it was like is this do you get something out of this that what is this any different from your stand-up comedy or whatever asked steve martin and robin williams that and steve martin's like yes this is very much different this is theater <laughs> and uh and you can tell in the in the play itself yeah there's some elements i guess of stand-up comedy but it's not stand-up comedy no fuck no you know and everything but just watching steve martin just answer this guy <laughs> it's like no it's theater <laughs> there's a lot of fun candid footage like there's a shot of a the right the beginning of a press conference on the comic comic relief tour or whatever oh that's There's awesome a big huge man standing in front of the podium and nobody behind can see and you hear somebody go down in front and all three of them uh whoopi billy crystal and robin williams all three of them duck down below the podium yeah. <laughs> like they're the ones causing the problem yeah <laughs> shit like that <laughs> yeah glimpses into their real life that you know i've never had it's great solid does it go into that whole uh, controversy or issue with disney about aladdin where uh, he didn't want to be a part of the marketing at all and they uh, ended up having to like apologize. It to does him. show him do some some, some voice, of the voices, but it doesn't have any. Doesn't talk about that. Hmm. Uh-uh. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to figure out if it's worth it because I just saw that fairly recently, and that's a really good documentary, the one that's on reels. Mm. But yeah, I think I think probably it is cool to to see the actual footage and especially something like outtakes from work. Yeah, Indian, when there's like, like stuff with Mrs. Doubtfire in there, oh, yeah. and Patch Adams, and everything, and just seeing him and Philip Seymour Hoffman like in this one. Oh yeah, raw footage thing of just him just you know making everybody laugh and everything is great uh and, and you know that movie tries a little bit to try to explain how his mind works so fast and like he's able to move from one thing to another and all that but uh you, you can never really explain that i don't think i don't think any of us understand how his mind worked i don't know man i don't think it's i don't think it's possible i think you're the closest person in here that could possibly even come close he uh in his early days like he used to like single-handedly keep this club in san francisco alive right like there was there's a, like the comedy store or the comedy shop or something so like he that. did he did he was at the comedy store a lot but i don't that know. was the one in la there, yeah. there was a comedy club up in in san francisco that they were like you know, for weeks and weeks and weeks, we'd have nobody in here, and then we'd have Robin in here, and then, you know, it would be a packed house, like, you know, outside, people trying to listen to mm -hmm. it and everything. Did you see him do stand-up live? I did. I saw him at the Grand Ole Opry. Yeah. Jonathan. Oh, uh, was that was that funny? Uh, I remember it being kind of funny. There were some moments. This is 2002 Robin Williams, so his stand-up at this point is, it's got 
a lot of the elements of that old Robin Williams in it. And there's stuff that I remember from it. So that's something I can't say about every stand-up show. That mm-hmm. I yeah. Uh, but there's stuff that I remember from it. And, uh, and I thought it was funny, but I, I do remember at the time kind of going, yeah, it's, it's a little bit, it's a little bit off from what I would, I think uh, from his heyday, mm-hmm. but it's still good. Yeah. yeah fascinating dude man yeah yeah uh do we want to do another round of warns uh yeah i got one other one that right. i actually would like to talk about do it baby um, me too this is a this is a wreck of warn although I, I i lean more towards recommend but uh sorry to bother you ah. yeah all right um so uh, we had a lot of uh, uh interest in us doing a mini pot of this mm. um and uh and I was like, it's probably not going to happen, but, uh, I am going to, I knew I was going to watch it, uh, some, sometime this past week. Uh, I feel like sorry to bother you has so many great ideas, but almost nothing that pays it off. Like it doesn't earn it. Hmm. Um, there's a, you know, at the very beginning, Lakeith Stanfield has just gotten this job that apparently almost anybody can get. Hmm. They don't care what you know they don't care they just want people to come in and uh and so like yeah you see in the trailer danny glover tells him to use his white voice and so he starts using the white voice and everything then he becomes this instant megastar well that's the first issue that i had with it there's nothing about this character that you can that tells you he's going to be a megastar and good at this even if he uses his white voice and he's immediately a star like mm-hmm. it's just like hey do this and then there's, there's like a montage essentially of him like doing awesome and you're like where'd this come from mm-hmm. i haven't even seen you be awesome like this yet uh then the um the workers the all the callers inside want to strike and i missed why they really wanted to strike i'm sure it was because of money and benefits but i i didn't really lisa needs braces <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> um so I, I i really i missed that so they all want to go on strike the problem is is that lakeith stanfield's character is a star and he's about to be sent up to the place where they put all the good callers and everything and uh and he's going to get a promotion and all this other stuff so he he decides to be a scab and and go across the picket line to to go to this job and um and so like that's his conflict now then there's more conflict once he gets to that upstairs thing there's they're selling a different kind of product Hmm. and i will not divulge what that product is but they're selling a different kind of product up there and that is something that is going to be a huge conflict for him but he's still good at what he does and uh and it gets deeper and deeper into like how fucked up this is and everything and of course it's you know there's a lot of like there's a lot of funny stuff in it. This is why I would recommend it's there's some funny stuff. There's some weird things. It's a different movie. There is a lot of, there is, I, I feel like a lot of, uh, Mike judge in this movie. There's a lot of really? office space. There's a lot of, uh, boy, that uh, sold me on it more than anything else. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of, uh, idiocracy type stuff in here. Hmm. Uh, I feel like they could, they, like I said, there's like ideas in here. And it may be a situation where they had a very low budget and they had to, you know, they couldn't fill in a lot of gaps that they wanted to. Because this is something that if they fully flesh out, this is a classic, I think, Mm. in in the making. But because there's so many things that just kind of, it kind of jump cuts us to 
let's get to the point of this movie and everything i feel like there's some parts of it that uh, you know don't don't hit as much as it could Mm. um so and and that's without spoiling it i could get into a lot of other things with spoilers but um that's the way i feel about it i feel like this is a good thing with a lot of good stuff in it just i just wish there was a little bit more to it interesting it kind of sounds like what you were what you were suspecting last week i did have a couple people come on twitter and say uh what you thought you were picking up on in the reviews is kind of probably right where it seems like this has got some great ideas and this is a a boots riley is somebody that could eventually make a masterpiece but this itself is not it's not all there right yeah yeah it's yeah there's so many good ideas like a lot of the you know if you if you watch uh if you watched a lot of 30 rock at all like tina fey a lot of times would or uh, the whole writing staff would anytime they talked about what rich people do uh, behind the scenes they would always go like just deep off, <laughs> off the deep end of what they're probably doing and stuff like the the the, the level of evil you think they are <laughs> is even worse than you think and that's what this movie is it's like a big like it's like taking a tina fey punchline from 30 rock and then actually turning it into reality ah. and everything uh and like I said, I'm going to watch this again at some point, but I do think that the flaws that I noticed in the first viewing are always going to be those kind of flaws. Interesting. And I don't think there's much I can, there's, I'm sure there's some gaps I can fill here and there in my, in my imagination, but yeah, it's, it's, it's like, it's, it's one of those, you're just rooting for it. It's just not not all the way there. I will freely admit the movie I'm about to warn you against is good. Hmm as is the lead performance, and that I didn't watch the whole thing. (laughs) All right. Roman J. Israel Esquire. Uh, I haven't seen this. What a fucking asshole. I saw a little bit of this. I looked this up. I went Googling to see if this was based on a true story, because in my mind, there's no way you would write this guy to be this big of a dick unless the real guy... I don't think there's a real guy. I think this is a completely fictionalized person who's just an asshole. Halfway through, I gave up, because I I had said too many times, God, what a dick. Like, he had zero... Niceness at all. I don't, I, I don't care what he does by the end of the movie. He spent so much of it being an asshole. I, I don't want to continue this journey. And I fucking love Denzel. He's great. I just, he's a dick. Yeah. Anyway, that's it. He's basically this guy. The story, if you want to check it out, as I just told you not to, <laughs> is he's the silent partner in this law firm and his partner dies and the law firm gets purchased. So his partner did all the in-court stuff, all the face-to-face, all the human interaction stuff, and Roman J. Israel Esquire has just hid in a dusty office by his hate-people self, (laughs) never having to learn how to be nice or have common sense and just doing all the paperwork. So he's got a tangible asset, his brain. He's really good at law figuring out Mm -hmm. shit. But he has to now go and work with this huge corporation that has usurped his old firm and he has to go to court and he has to talk to clients and talk to other co-workers and he's an asshole mm. you should have stuck around for the redemptive arc i even said in my tweet i was like i'm sure there's some kind of redeeming thing <laughs> and everybody that responded was like not as good as you need it to be like it doesn't pay him off as well as it should so anyway i'm not gonna finish that shit so they should just call this roman j asshole esquire, esquire. Yeah. exactly or yeah. roman j israel asshole yeah asquire asquare i have a quick warn and it's nothing you haven't heard before but i caught justice league on hbo the other day why did did you catch that 
I I did it too. I'll tell you why because who's you guys, catching this movie? Because you guys liked this more than I did. Now you gave it a D or something like that, and I gave it like an F minus <laughs> like, minus minus. I like the scene. Yeah. Right. 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 And so I was like, maybe I'm missing something on this, and I can't. I, I seeing this again. Uh, I don't know if this is what they were intentionally doing. It is so fucking cartoony, and I it's so cartoony that I wonder if it's supposed to be this cartoony. Uh, during the action sets, they're not even trying to pretend that they know what they're doing. Like it, it's like watching an animated feature. And if they are going to go that route, and if they they're going to inform Aquaman or whatever with that route going forward, just come out and say like, "This is what we're doing. We're going on the more cartoony side of this. Don't expect this to be a Marvel type of thing." I think this is purely by accident, and I think it's it's even worse watching it on the small screen versus. When we saw it in the well, theater. the problem is I think that DC's or Warner's one of the two seems to think that cartoony equals fun, and anything <laughs> yeah, fun about this fucking movie. is still taking itself way too fucking seriously. Yeah. And I learned I learned a bunch of new things this morning. Apparently, DC is starting their own online streaming service like Netflix, mm-hmm. and there's a show called Titans that's based on the Teen Titans, and they put a trailer out for it today. Mm. So it's Robin and some other people you don't give a shit about. <laughs> And it is emo as fuck. Oh, really? Like the the first 30 seconds, Robin says, fuck Batman. It's like, <laughs> I almost tweeted out, DC, why so serious? <laughs> like, not everything has to be, have the gravitas and the weight and the dark. It's like so tryhardy. And, and then Simser tweeted out that he storyboarded for it, so I felt oh, bad. So I didn't tweet out anything negative about it. He'll have to find that out on the podcast. By, by the way, uh, it was yesterday, as of this recording, that uh, The Dark Knight had its 10-year anniversary coming out yeah. and everything. Um, this feels like a movie that should be influential, but it didn't influence anything. You know what's yeah. funny, though, is that half the people on Twitter seem to think it did. Ten years ago, this movie came out and changed superhero films forever. And I'm, I'm reading that going, well, what the fuck? I think I read fuck? that same title and I said, what has been like the Dark Knight since it came out? Nothing. Not even Dark Knight Rises was no. like Dark Knight. No, no. Uh, and, uh, and nothing that they've come out with since. And this is partially because it's Christopher Nolan who directed it, but... I don't I haven't seen anybody try to come up with a story that would work on its own without superheroes, but would like cinematically the, shoot for the moon. Yeah, exactly. I haven't seen anything like that. Now, Marvel has aimed very high, mm-hmm. as high as they can, I think, with what they do, but they haven't made anything like The Dark Knight. It's not standalone. Yeah, for sure. Nothing is standalone except for maybe Black Panther. Right. Um, and we we see the flaws in Black Panther as far as the, the production value and mm-hmm. everything. But with Infinity War, as great as it is, you need all that baggage. You need all that 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 knowledge right. uh, to really make it pay off. Mm-hmm. And yeah, nobody's nobody's come close or even tried to 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 swing for the Dark Knight. Yeah, so- maybe uh, Matthew, what's his name? Well, it's not Matthew Vaughn, the guy that did the Apes movie. Mm-hmm. He's doing the next Batman. Movie. Is he still doing? I can't keep up with he who's is, doing what uh, anymore. But help me remember his name. I don't Matt know Reeves. Matt, Matt Reeves. Reeves. Matt Reeves. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, maybe. You know, but again, I, I said this recently, so I don't want to repeat myself too much. But DC is just they're they're caught in a spiral now at this point. They mm-hmm. shot the moon trying to get to Avengers without having to waste time on the build up films. That didn't work. They've done two movies now where it hasn't worked. But Wonder Woman standalone worked. They, they learned nothing from that. So shit. they have to keep her. They can't ditch her. Right. Gal Gadot's the best thing they got going for them. But 
Affleck kind of wants out, mm-hmm. and you know, now they're going to do this Aquaman. That, uh, everything about have, that Aquaman poster was hilarious. Then they yeah. have, <laughs> then they have uh, you know, they have the Joaquin Phoenix Joker that's apparently not even going to be part of. Yeah, this they're just like, yeah, screw it. They yeah, are like, let's do, do everything yeah. all at once, <laughs> and there's no cohesion there. Whereas Marvel, they they had a plan ten years ago. They executed it, worked perfectly. I trust their plan for the next ten years. Mm-hmm. Man, DC and Warner Brothers is twisting in the wind. Yeah, I tell you what, man, watching Justice League again, it didn't bother me as much when I was watching it because I was offended by everything else. But the amount of ass shots yep. of Gal Gadot There's in a this. straight up upskirt. Yeah, I mean, yep. and I didn't. I guess I just didn't notice it because we haven't done the sins video for this. I haven't like gone back and like. Re- I was like, God, I mean, it's this fucking, is not even like. It was immediately apparent to me yeah. when I watched Justice League because after watching Wonder, we had just done Wonder Woman yeah. for sins purposes, and then we watched Justice League, and I was like, Yeah, <laughs> Zack Snyder is just kind of. Just, you know, just looking just, straight just up, pervy on this and yeah. everything, and I agree. Gal Gadot's a beautiful woman, but you don't need to be doing that shit. Mm-hmm. No, no, and yeah, no, I already said too much. <laughs> it's a warn in case you didn't. It's realize. a warn. Yeah, yeah. I also caught it again to see what if my opinions changed, and they did. And I yeah. like it less I'm, now. I'm yeah. definitely not doing that anytime. Oh, soon. I didn't I even make you. it to that Superman Flash scene. Uh, I tried. I tried. I was like, maybe if I get there, like it'll it'll kind of. Uh, can't do it. Can't do it. Yep. Uh, we're about out of time. <laughs> so no. So no time for questions. Okay. We're building up questions though. It's going to be a, a beautiful episode. orgasm of questions. Right. We're gonna, we're we're building it up like a gonna, dude in scary movie when he's fucking Anna yeah. Ferris. <laughs> we're gonna blow those answers all over your face. That's right. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> We're going to be like the puppet at the end of the, the happy time. That's Murders. right. That's correct. Um, that'll do it for this week. Keep going to uh, uh, Sincast presented by Cinema Sins on Facebook. Keep going to SoundCloud, Twitter. There's a lot of places that you can find us and make a comment about this very episode. That's right. Um, enjoy all the comments. Everybody's uh, bringing out movie suggestions and and like uh, alternate opinions of mm-hmm. certain movies that we've been talking Got about. A lot of spicy football takes yeah, after the last episode. Oh yeah, spicy football takes. Uh, I, it's probably about half and half about people agreeing with with uh, with my disdain for international football yeah. or uh, soccer. Yeah, uh, the half that are with you are Americans. <laughs> yeah, actually, there are a couple of Europeans that are like, yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, but mostly, yeah, it's like. <laughs> Well, I can't believe that you guys are into something where it stops every 20 seconds and then they like yeah. congratulate each other. And I'm like, I can't argue with I you. Can't, You're you right. Yeah, no, you can't. You're absolutely I just, right. I just like it. In I fact, don't... I have that same argument when I'm talking about how much I love baseball and how people say right. it's glacial. And I'm like, uh, yeah, but football, you have one play. <laughs> every 30 seconds that's that's not like delaying your time in any way and in 500 commercials per like (laughs) oh we kicked it off time for a commercial yeah yeah um anyway uh that'll do it for this week it's chris agnes and jeremy scott and barrett share we'll see you next time thanks for listening comment on our episodes on our soundcloud page check us out on youtube twitter facebook and reddit and be sure to visit cinemasends.com I need to do this fucking thing over. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I was in the middle of it. I was like, I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to stop now. I've already I'm gotten too close. there. That's right. <laughs>
I'm making it sound worse than it is, but for a few minutes last night, I thought about picking a Twitter fight with The Rock. <laughs> and so what I did instead was... <laughs> I'll explain. So instead, what I did was I knew that was bad. So instead, what I did was I, I went to Frank on Twitter privately. This was kind of late, too. And I was like, I kind of feel like picking a Twitter fight with The Rock, but I feel like anybody else I would go to would tell me to shut off my computer and go to bed. And he was like, you came to me because I'm going to tell you to do it. And I was like, no, I can't. I'll get crushed. It's not. It's pointless. But I just I, he had a succession of tweets about his movie uh, Skyscraper. That, the Rock did? Yeah, that when viewed collectively kind of annoyed me because the first one I saw, somebody I know follows him. So it's, if I'm looking through my main feed, if they retweet something he's tweeted, I'll see some of his stuff in there. And the first tweet was something about some disabled critic had praised the movie's treatment of disability and not made it like a huge deal, mm -hmm. which I think the movie should be praised for if it did. Um, but there was something in the quote that he had retweeted about um, how the movie wasn't like showboating about here's this disability or what have you and then like later in the day The Rock tweets out that his movie is the first summer blockbuster to have a main character hero that's an amputee um, hello Furiosa called <laughs> yeah <laughs> and that this is the first movie where a female protagonist saves him instead of him saving her hello Moana called oh yeah and I was just like, you're chest beating about the amputiness of your movie. Mm -hmm. <laughs> After chest beating about how you didn't make a big deal about the amputiness of your movie. Mm -hmm. And as somebody who's not an amputee but is disabled, fuck off. <laughs> now, as Frank reminded me, movie studios pay him like millions of dollars to tweet and social media shit about his movies. There was some article like a month ago or something like he gets fifty thousand dollars a tweet or something oh yeah so i'm sure at some point even a good-hearted guy is going to be struggling to come up with reasons to tweet about a movie and i know for a fact he met with amputees before he made this movie while he was making this movie he went out of his way to try and be open and respectful i think he's probably a good guy mm -hmm. i just got really frustrated by the succession of those tweets <laughs> And, of course, I look in the replies, and people have already reminded him about Furiosa and Moana. And I'm just like, well, there's no point I can make now, but I'm st I still feel this bitterness, so I have put it all on Frank. <laughs> anyway, I don't know why I decided to tell that. Something you said made me want to tell that story. <laughs> you know, I'm ashamed at how long it took me to remember how many more M states we had to go this yeah, morning on my drive so to many. Starbucks. I was like, Montana, I know, but I feel like there's more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I was, uh, was going to go on to Montana on the next one because I was going to try to get ahead. And I was like, ah, fuck. It's yeah, it was like five Missouri. minutes later when I went, Missouri. Oh. You know, there was a conscious decision at some point. Somebody was like, you know what? More M states. Mm -hmm. yeah, seriously. Mm -hmm. It's got to be the, the number one letter easily yeah it's got mm. uh, in because like, all because the north and news. news yeah fucking north but and news. that doesn't count to me no yeah if you I have agree. news and north that doesn't count yeah like, that's like nebraska counts but agreed yeah <laughs> new york doesn't count <laughs> no new jersey not a state because it's derived from york <laughs> nevada counts <laughs> it got weird that night <laughs> yeah yeah all right let's just leave it there because <laughs> so i think any further explanation is only going to be disappointing <laughs> No matter what you actually meant, it can't live up to what I just pictured. <laughs> I wish I could tell you. It got really fucking weird. Which weird. did include one of those giant evil women from the end of Dude, Where's My Car? <laughs> mm -hmm. We're the hot chicks with big boobs. Yeah. All the racism in one page. Yep. And my dog, Skip. <laughs>
Yep. <laughs> it was like. It was like, of racist, course, my dog Skip. Dog Skip. I wouldn't be surprised if my dog Skip was about, you know, about a dog who was uh, prejudiced against or something. It's about a dog that exposes the KKK. Right, right. It wasn't Frankie Muniz in that. Yeah, yeah. That weird that we were just talking about that. Yeah, man. I don't know. Did uh, you see that Breaking Bad thing that they're like, uh, they're uh, sort, they're doing some ten year anniversary thing where. You can enter a contest and go out and cook with them. Oh, nice! Oh, uh, so you get on the trailer, I guess, and go out to where they cooked. And I think, and and Aaron Paul's like, and we're gonna go out and we're gonna cook meth. <laughs> and he's like, probably not, probably breakfast. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but you know, maybe meth. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's one of those things. If you look at Dean Norris's IMDb, it's like every television show ever. Blue and, Bloods. And, uh, yeah, and he's uh, he's always like cop <laughs> <laughs> who played skylar anna anna gun anna, anna gun i haven't seen her in anything recently. she's in a movie um what's it called it's about the stock market which is, you know those movies are always super appealing right um it's some kind of stock related term like <laughs> bulls yeah. well it's something like that it's something like it's not double down because that's that's blackjack yeah but it's something like that for the stock market um and i watched it because she was in it and she was okay and oh, she's not... also in sully oh that's right that's right yeah. she's like one of the questioners one but the... she's on their side yeah so well, anna gun might anna have gun. anna gun might have a, a bit of a, a character actress career going on right now. she was also on, well she had one before too she was on seinfeld yeah yeah equity equity, it, ah, equity. double down yeah shattered fingers <laughs> yes Sharp objects? Sharp objects. I've seen the first two episodes. Yeah, is it good? Is it good? Yeah. It's great. I don't now. I don't have. See, I've seen Jonathan talking uh, with Scrap on Twitter because uh, they both read the book, mm. um, and I don't have any of that knowledge. I didn't read the book, so you know, right now I can't tell you, Dick, about who did it, or even I'm not even sure I know what was done. Yeah, is it depressing as shit? Oh yeah, it's. <sighs> I mean, it's kind of flashing back between. Yes, mm. one of the worst mothers ever in an hbo show since the sopranos oh yeah and it's uh she's great we love her she's the wife in uh miracle kurt russell's patricia wife, clarkson patricia clarkson yeah, 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 she's yeah. the mother in this show and holy god i want to strangle her i hate her and it's only been two episodes she's evil i watched uh blockers last night yeah what'd you think it wasn't as funny as I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I, it's 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 not as funny. I do like the message though. Like, oh yeah, totally. Yeah, because yeah. like it was, it would have been easy for them to cop out on a lot of stuff in that. Mm -hmm. Where it would have been like, uh, have you seen Blockers? No, um, I bought it. I was at Walmart with my wife. I was like, oh, I haven't seen that. Bought it, put it in, and ten minutes in, I was like, I literally don't care anymore. Uh, yeah i mean it, it took too long to get to the funny for me to you're right like it, the, the message is great but it's like they, yeah. they didn't pull this off the I, way that i, I thought was, they were yeah, going hoping to it'd be a little bit funnier there's a they could have done it where none of them have sex mm -hmm. and it's like well you know it, we're 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 uh, mature enough to make that decision not to have sex and that's always the message or whatever it seems like of these movies mm -hmm. uh but in this they had a mix of you know, you had one who did it and two who didn't. Catherine Newton. Catherine Newton is the one yeah. who has a, has one of the funniest lines of the year, if not of the last five years for me. Um, because it's uh, it's a I think it's the 
they ask, what do you like, Almond Joy or Mounds? Oh, yeah. And she says, I would rather, I think she said something like, I'd rather suck 10 dicks yes, yeah, or something like that than eat one mound. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think this movie, like, I, I think John Cena only works in certain doses. Yeah. And I think this movie has too much John that Cena. That was part of the problem for me was that that opening scene with him and his wife where half the trailer gags, excuse me, like the vibrating toothbrush and the eating the underwear that's his daughter's, all the, all those are <laughs> taking place in the opening 10 minutes of the movie and he was a little too much. Yeah, yeah. He was a little too strong. Yeah. 